Welcome to the podcast, folks. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry belated Christmas. Hope everybody uh, got to be with family and friends and found a way to enjoy the holidays. Hopefully you're still enjoying the holidays. Uh, if you're back to work or if you never stop working, hopefully uh, you know to, you get to enjoy a few uh, moments throughout the Christmas holidays. I, uh, I got a Christmas morning, the oldest, five, wakes up. Runs to the tree, thinks can't, uh, well, thinks it's a miracle. Santa has come, gifts are there, and he shouts at the top of his lungs, I'm so glad! I'm so glad! Anyways, that was our Christmas morning. We had a good Christmas. Like I say, I hope you did too. We got a cool one on tap for you today. Before we get there, let's get to our episode sponsors. Carly Kloss and the teams over at Windsor Plywood, builders of the podcast studio table. Uh, for everything wood, these are the guys, whether we're talking, um, well, actually, first, go to their Instagram page. Look up uh, on their Instagram. Do a little creeping. Creeping. See what they got uh, on tap there. I'm telling you, they got some cool, cool character pieces of wood whether we're talking mantles decks windows doors or sheds these are the guys give them a call 780-875-9663 uh the boys that came in for today's episode got to witness the table firsthand and uh i saw it once again where they gave her the old rub oh this is a nice table well that's windsor plywood Jen Gilbert and the team for over 45 years since 1976, the dedicated realtors of Cobalt Bank or Cityside Realty, have served Lloydminster and the surrounding area, offering star power, providing their clients with seven-day-a-week access because they know big life decisions are not made during office hours. That's Cobalt Bank or Cityside Realty for everything real estate, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Give them a call, 780-875-3343. Mortgage broker Jill Fisher, obviously her name says it all. She proudly serves the areas of Lloydminster, Bonneville, Cold Lake, and Vermilion, and She's looking forward to working with you for all your mortgage needs with a new year soon upon us. Maybe your house is uh, coming up for renewal. Maybe you're buying a new house. Maybe uh, you got to lock back in. Maybe you're on variable. Maybe you got a whole bunch of different terms that you don't know what the hell you're talking about, just like this guy. Well, head over to mortgage broker Jill Fisher. She'll straighten you out. She's got tons of knowledge. All you got to do is go to jfisher.ca, give her a call, 780-872-2914, and she will clear it all up for you. I promise, I promise, I promise that uh, when it comes to big decisions like that, you want somebody who uh, knows what the hell they're talking about. Not this guy, that lady, Jill Fisher. Give her a call. Once again, 780-872-2914. Clay Smiley and the team over at Profit River the new year is soon approaching, fellas. I know they're listening, and I'm curious, is January the month we get to see inside the new building? And by we, I mean we. We've all been patiently waiting. Uh, they've got uh, <laughs> all the new stuff should be in. I saw. I drove by the other day, and uh, they had trucks backed up. They were unloading hardware like nobody's business. So I assume it is coming very, very quickly. I'll keep you updated on the latest. Um, of course, they specialize in importing firearms from the United States of America. They do all the proper paperwork, make it simple for me, for you, for everyone. Just go to ProfitRiver.com. You'll figure it out. Or if you're in town, around the area, and you're looking forward to seeing what the new building looks like, just hold on. We're going to keep you up to date, and uh, when they get in there, I'll be the first to tell you, all right?
Uh, Trophy Gallery. Downtown Lloydminster is Canada's supplier for glass and crystal awards. Uh, hockey season's in full full force right now. Uh, soon to be a couple months away, but we're getting closer. You want to be on top of this. There's going to be tournaments going on, rec tournaments going on. Hopefully, if Omicron doesn't do anything bad, then you'll get uh, the chance at uh, having some, you know, giving away some hardware. So go to trophygallery.ca or stop in downtown Lloydminster and get your name, image, logo, etc. Put on whatever you're giving away by Clint and his team. They do fantastic work. You can take my word for it. They got all sizes, all shapes, all price ranges. Stop in today, once again, downtown Lloydminster or trophygallery.ca. Gartner Management... If you're looking for uh, rental space, uh, they're here in Lloydminster. they got 1,800 square feet of rental space in uh, yours truly's building. Now, if you want a simple office, they got that. If you got multiple team members, they got you covered. Either way, give Wade Gartner a call, 780-808-5025. And finally, if you're looking for any outdoor signage, the team over at Read and Write can hook you up. Just give them a call, 306-825-5111. And if you're heading into any of these businesses, let them know I sent you, all right? The podcast, that is. Now, let's get on that T-Bar 1, Tale of the Tape. The first is a current member of the Royal Regina Rifles that has served in the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. He's also served with the 2 Commando Canadian Airborne Regiment, served in Croatia, Bosnia, and Afghanistan was in the Canadian military for 33 years, and currently he resides in Regina Beach. The second, a volunteer firefighter, former Lashburn Flyer, Neilberg Monarch, Bethune Bulldog, you might say a veteran of the Saskatchewan Senior Hockey Leagues, has worked in the oil field from regulation to drilling to production. Currently he resides in Lumsden. I'm talking about James Sinclair and Henry Seidlitz. So buckle up, here we go. Hey, this is James St. Clair. And this is Henry Seidlitz, and you're listening to the the Sean Newman Newman Podcast. Well, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by James Sinclair and Henry Seidlitz. So hopefully I got that right, big fella. I'm I'm staring at you. I, I feel like the last name I was going to torture it. So thanks Nailed for it. thanks for driving up, fellas. This is uh, doesn't happen every day. It's been happening more, actually. I should say. So first off, thanks for stopping in the studio. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I I would say that normally nobody drives as far as you two have, but actually in the last couple months it's been starting to happen more often, which kind of I think shows us a little bit of where we're at uh, with things going on. Obviously, you guys are here for your reasons, and the people who've come before have come for their reasons, but they're all looking for a channel to get something that's meaningful uh, out to the public because uh, as we sit right now, it's strange times. Absolutely. Now, um, we're going to start with James. Um, I just want you to give the the listener a little bit of your background and, and a little bit of your story uh, just so they can get a feel for you. And I'm pro- probably going to poke and prod as we go along, and then we'll switch over to Henry and we'll see where it goes from there. Okay, well, set your uh, wake-up alarm. I hope I don't put anybody to sleep on this, but uh, I started out uh, in the military in 1988 um, against my will. My five-foot-nothing mother, which was Irish, forced me to join the Army to get some discipline, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So fast forward to uh, being in the Army in uh, Croatia in 1993. Had all these foolish ideas about, you know, 
what a soldier does and why he's doing it. And being my first war zone and seeing the actual effects of what humanity can do to each other, unfortunately, I saw, you know, what it does to kids. And uh, I do many talks around the province to schools and to other groups. And, and it always goes back to education because education is truly the the secret to world peace. And I'm not trying to be, you know, saying that, that I know the answers to everything, but I know education is a key to it. So I had a... Do you, do you mean education as in like going to school and getting an education yep. that way? Or do you mean going like traveling and, getting, and seeing nope. the world? If, if we can start in our own backyards and, and have a, an education system where kids can go to school with a full belly and sit and learn about life and history and, and do good things in our own community, it just perpetuates and moves throughout your province, your country, eventually the globe, right? We got to start within and work out. It's like when you heal yourself, you got to heal yourself before you heal somebody else, right? So we're too busy running around the planet trying to solve everybody else's problems when we don't even have clean drinking water in our own backyard. Like we, we got to start working within and work out, right? Until your house is clean and in order, you can't tell somebody clean their house and get it in order, right? And unfortunately, that's what's going on in our, in our government type, you know, system right now, unfortunately. So sorry to, no, no, to no. get back to my story because <laughs> I could be on that for hours. But anyways, um, I got this young kid and this is, this is early fighting season. You know, they haven't evacuated the, the people from the, from the combat zone yet. Um, the, both the Croatians and the Serbs are preparing for a big summer battle, like, like there's five kilometers to cut in Croatia right off. We're right on the tip of this. And there's this young kid. And on this observation point that we, we monitor daily to check on enemy movement, this kid's at the bottom of the alley every day. And he's there to get food for his family. And he's wearing rags. Um, you can see in his face the distress, you know, constant... Um, like his family would have been talking about what's going on. He's a young kid, five years old or younger, listening to what's going on. And his main uh, goal is to get food from us United Nations soldiers to feed to his grandpa and his grandma and his mother because his dad's off, you know, on the line, you know, preparing to attack or counterattack from whatever army starts it off first. So he started realizing, like, this isn't just a fact, like this isn't a war like where it's just them and us. Like there's people involved and, and there's feelings and there's emotions. And it, as a, you know, 20 year old guy thinking you're, you're, you're everything, you're realizing, no, this is, this is more than just me against them. Like, so that started sinking into my head and it changed my thoughts on lots of things in life. So fast forward to, uh, being in Bosnia in 97, um, there was, you know, racial cleansing where they would take the opposite, be it Muslim or be it Serb or be it Croat, and they would do things to each other that I'm not going to get into, but it's beyond comprehension. Like, people just don't understand it. Like, you can't tell people the things that humans will do to each other because they're a different person. And it all started with a divide. 
you know, those wars started because somebody started a small thing like uh, he's Croat, he's Serb, Greek Orthodox, he's Muslim. You know, like it just starts slowly and it festers and turns into something very ugly, very fast. And unfortunately, I'm starting to see those slips in our own society. And it, it's kind of scary in a way. Moving forward to being in Afghanistan, uh, again, those kids, they've never not seen war. Like since uh, like the early 80s, like 1970, those that fam or that group of people have never seen peace. It's just been constant conflict. And one thing uh, that is an indicator to me is when you see a kid, you know, flushing color, big eyes, and the crackling in their voice, and they're talking about something, right? So I got a six-year-old boy coming home from, from school and talking about COVID and talking about how scared he is about about it yeah there's no bullets flying but it's talked about at school it's talked about the supper table it's on the news it's everywhere these kids can hear and they're scared like we have no idea we think it's we we have no idea what we're doing to our kids because we haven't been through those strifes in canada since you know late 1800s really and it's terrifying for for me to think where these kids are going to end up uh, the other day, my son come home from the school bus, and because his principal makes him wear a mask during gym, because for whatever reason we feel by adding layers onto the onion, we're going to protect our kids better. My my kids got to wear a mask in gym, running around playing dodgeball. And he came home the other day, he's got to wear a mask in the school bus, which is kind of understandable if that's the rules you want to have. Uh, and I'll stop you right there. You should go back to Brandy Suva on here. The listeners following this podcast, uh, I was just like you. I went, I grew up rural, riding the school bus. I heard about the, the kids wearing a mask, especially the young ones and everything. And I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. You know, they're in a, you know, small space for a while, whatever. And she had her son uh, show up essentially unresponsive when they got him home. Her husband was a U.S. Uh, uh, military man, revived him, and he'd basically come unresponsive. He'd fall asleep as a five-year-old on a bus with a mask over his face, on yeah. it for a long time. And the response we got from that episode uh, gives me the chills because of how many people in our provinces, you know, you guys were joking when you first got here. We're just in Alberta. We're in a border city, so I get responses from both sides. We're lots of rural population in both provinces. And how many kids that's happening to right now. Oh, it's and the, the Alberta government knows about it. Nothing's changed. And so uh, to me, when it comes to uh, the reason I speak up about it is because I've, I've now listened to a mom sit here and tell me about it. And it's eerie. And I, I really implore any listener who hasn't listened to that, go back a few episodes to Brandy Suva and hear about her son Hudson. And it'll, it'll make your skin crawl. Anyways, so my son is like physically grabbing his mask when I'm undressing him from all of his, his clothes and such, you know, coming in from outside jacket and ski pants. And he's like, he just, he's like, dad, I just want to tear these masks up. Like he's so pissed off. Right. Like, and it, it, it upsets me because I can't tell him any different than like, cause he's got to follow the rules. Right. But 
I know that it's causing him stress, but I can't, how do you fight that, right? Other than doing what we're doing now. And we're going to get into it a little bit uh, later with, with, uh, you know, with Henry and the great points he's, he's brought to light to me. But when it comes to, to our kids, like back in the sixties, when our government at the time said, you'll never take our resources. The biggest thing that happened and the worst thing that happened to our province is everybody left for Alberta because Alberta opened up for oil. And the best people of our province left to work in Alberta. We're slowly getting some of those people back. Today, we're on the phone with a guy. He's thinking about moving to the States. There's already a bunch of them moved to the States. Because our government is depriving them of, of freedoms that we should have. And again, we're, this could be the second purge of good people and good leadership that our province is going to need in the future by taking them out and their children and their families. Yeah. So we, I don't think people really have thought everything through. And I'm glad some like, like government organizations like SAS Hockey and such, they've actually watched things evolve and they've been fluid and been able to adjust some of their policies, which I'm very thankful for. But the, the mental health side of this that we're doing not to ourselves but to our children is it's horrific and and we're doing it willingly well, and not understanding the jordan, full result of it i was trying to find it jordan peterson has a quote that's basically you follow the rules until the rules no longer make sense and we're at a point right now guys where the rules no longer make sense we all have young kids we're seeing it on a first day basis i don't let my son use hate he's five and he said i hate COVID. and i went hmm, well actually that one kind of fits buddy you yeah. can you can you can use it on that that's a five-year-old the, the thing is, though, <clears throat> like today we're here talking about this and I'm willing to put myself on the line. I don't want my kids involved in any of this. Like, Yeah, like, but they if, shouldn't receive any harassment for that, their father right. standing up for what he believes that's in. That's right. And, yeah. and you should be able to um, at least be able to raise your children and make sure that they're going to grow up physically uh, and mentally strong. And we're not able to do that because, you know, there's not enough people right now standing up and saying, hey, let's let's take another look at this. Let's well, let's really look at, like, the stats show that the shot isn't going to protect you. You're going to catch it and spread it. And let's figure out a way where we can live with this and make sure our kids are going to be healthy because that's the future to our nation right there. And if we're, if we're d- giving them, like, potentially disabilitating their ability to be mentally and physically strong as we grow older, who's going to take over the nation, right? Like there'll be a day where people are knocking at our door for our resources. And if we can't fight and keep our, our, like our country together and make it stronger, we're, we're losing it all. So I, I just, I just feel that our kids are our future and we've got to be able to figure out a way to, to make them healthy and strong. Yeah, well, when it comes to uh, children specifically, they're at such a low risk from COVID. I'm not saying there's no risk. There's always risk. But there's such such a low, low risk of all of this. And you think about it, we had them in school the entire time, right? If they were, you know, falling off the face of the earth, we wouldn't have been doing that as parents. 
They've went through this entire thing. You look at the stats. The stats show they are, you know, Alberta's own website. And I like to bring up Alberta because they do, compared to Saskatchewan, they do a pretty damn good job of at least giving you the stats so you can read through them. And it shows they're they're more susceptible to the flu. They're, they're even more susceptible from getting hurt from falls. And so you just come back to it. Adults, we've had our choice. We, everybody's made it. At some point, you got to move on, right? Adults yeah. have made their choice. Kids... Um, I, there's no reason to force it on them. And I would come back. Um, I get to be a little bit of the, the a-hole in the room on SAS hockey. I, I agree they adjusted, but they adjusted because of pressure and you see what pressure does to organizations when we exert it. That comes back to the people and the people, when they don't exert pressure, nothing changes. They just think, Oh, we're, we're, we're moving along. And what happened with children, as soon as they started bringing out, Jason Kenny was a prime example. All of a sudden, he said, "Oh, but it's pre- it's parents, you know, and he, it's your choice, it's your choice." And he made sure that was because he could feel the anger coming. You can feel the anger when you start to tell parents what they have to do with their children. So going back to this, like I guess I really should state this as well. Like being in the military, deployed all over the place that I that I went, um, I've never questioned vaccines. Like going through uh, basic training in Cornwallis, there'd be two nurses on either side of you. You're going through the line, no shirt on. They're jamming shit in your arms, like you just you just take it, right? No, it's it's the like. So I'm I'm never never questioned science, right? I'm never because that's just that's you know we've been using these things for 20, 30, 40 years, however long these vaccines have been out, and um, well, never back. questioned it. So I'm not an anti-vaxer. I just don't like for for an example. My oldest son, when H1N1 was going around, that was given to kids. So I was doing security for the province at the Olympics in, in Vancouver. I get a phone call from my, my wife. Hey, um, our son got the shot. Uh, he's not doing well. I'm taking him to the hospital. He's bleeding profusely from his nose. He's puking up blood. And, you know, I'll let you know what's happening, right? So now... You know, my ex is uh, keeping me updated. I'm looking at flights to come home. They get him in the hospital. They do tests on him. He has zero platelets. Like all of his platelets are, are gone after, like within a couple of days of the shot. Which means he can bleed out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he almost bled to death. Like they tried cauterizing yeah. his nose and just complications on that. He's a five-year-old kid. Oh, man. And he's throwing up blood and eventually the doctors get ahead of the bleeding. They, they're giving them, you know, intervention, IVs, you know, doing whatever they have to do. I, I wasn't there, but this is what my, my ex was telling me. And, um, so being gone, you know, like, am I on the plane? Am I not on the plane? Like what's going on? And so I come home from it all. They stabilize them. I come home after the Olympics and, um, uh, we, we question the H1N1 shot, you know, like this is the only thing that's changed in his life. He's been perfectly healthy up to this, had many nosebleeds, you know, regular kid stuff and his nose would stop bleeding. He got the shot two days later, his nose doesn't, it doesn't stop. Like what's going on? There's and another and what did they say? They basically laughed us out of the room, right? Really? Yeah. Like it was like, nope, this has nothing to do with the H1N1 so, shot. So that right there didn't raise concerns and certainly didn't get, I don't know, an adverse reaction report filed. Nope. Nothing. Nope. Nothing. Because it, and, and I don't know if you've ever 
had or or have talked to anybody that's gone up against the 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 basically the policies of the health department like they're the big brains and like they've got all the control like as being a parent and just suggesting such a thing and this is back in two, 2010 yeah it's not gotten better yeah it yeah. was this was probably like that's probably the fir- and it had had to have happened to other kids across the country or even in the United States, wherever they were giving out H1N1 shots. So the, the data probably goes back that far if they collected it, but they didn't collect it from us. They basically laughed us out of the room. And it, 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 at that time, you really realize you're up against a big, powerful force, right? And how do you stand up to that? Like, how do you find out who other kids had that? Because they would have been treated the same, I assume. So how do you find out who else in the country had that same situation, right? So um, that's why I guess I'm here today is because now my I know my son and I know that uh, these the uh, different vaccines do affect platelets. So I've gone to the doctor. They've given him a, a note saying that it's got to be studied by, you know, by the pediatricians and, and other people in that medical field which they're still looking at it. But, um, you know, it's it's hard to know what direction these guys are going to go because they basically got a mandate they got to follow too because they could lose their license. And but, but wouldn't it make sense to the three of us sitting here that you walk in, you tell that story, and they just go, here, here's an exemption. Like, I mean... <laughs> yeah. well, that when, hasn't been our experience. Uh, well, I can the, uh, tell you firsthand, unless you're showing a reaction to that first shot, they're not going to give you well and the reaction in the first shot has to be a pretty specific reaction so and here's the thing like they they want a cookie cutter solution to everything just to just to make it easy for everybody because at the end of the day um health issues are individual like everybody's different we're all different mentally physically so what i'm asking for for my own son that has you know displayed a reaction to a to a h1n1 shot i want them to look at this in a light that's not cast down by the government or by policy makers in the medical department i want them to look at my son's situation individually and without bias or without recall on their own practices like i want doctors to be able to go this is the best thing for this kid not for like a cookie cutter this is what everybody's doing you got to do it yeah and uh so far um you know they they are going to look at that and they're they're going down the road but uh because i was caught snoozing when i should have been doing things like this earlier um which hank will get into earlier a little bit later here but yeah it's important that uh that i'm here and i'm talking on behalf of my family and i thank you for letting me be here no i appreciate you guys making the drive now uh Henry James has been sucking up the airtime. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> give the give the listener a little bit on your backstory. Um, yeah, um, I'm just uh, your normal run of the mill, boring, born and raised small town Saskatchewan kid. Um, I've been living in Lumsden since uh, 2008, but I grew up uh, I grew up on a farm outside of Bethune. Uh, played all my minor hockey in uh, Bethune and uh, Lumsden area. Uh, I'm a father of two beauties, of sons and uh, 
and, uh, you know, husband to, uh, my lovely wife for uh, 20 years, um, worked my whole uh, career, um, in Saskatchewan and Alberta. I'm one of those Sasky kids that moved away to Alberta and, uh, found my way back home. Uh, I'm a professional, uh, engineer. I've got uh, 23 years of experience in, uh, the mining and upstream oil and gas industry. Um, I currently own my own, uh, consulting business and, uh, yeah, um, I'm, uh, I guess the story I'm here to share with people today is, uh, like as a lot of people who know me understand, I'm, I'm pretty engaged in, uh, in my, uh, my community, uh, what my kids, uh, are active in. Um, I've coached, uh, my kids pretty much all the way through their ball and minor hockey, um, member of the Lums and fire department. Uh, I'm currently on the Lums and rink board, former, uh, former, uh, duck derby chairman. Um, I've been on the rep, uh, been a rep on the Lums and minor ball association. Do I dare hop in and ask what the duck derby is? Oh, it's yeah. pretty cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's 10,000 ducks. It's a major fundraiser in the community. Um, Down yeah. the river? Yeah. We uh, we drop uh, 25,000 uh, ducks down the river on a year where we sell out, which they actually did this year. Um, it's uh, uh, They started it to uh, um, raise funds for, for a new rink in town, but it's been going on ever since. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's a good time. It's uh, five bucks a duck. Um, the duck that crosses the finish line wins the first prize, and there's usually twenty other prizes. And, you try to uh, herd twenty five thousand ducks. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say uh, in Hillmont we did a duck derby, but we uh, we had an engineer build us a little course the size of this table, yep. and then we put uh, we put a little motor on it so it it swirls the water, and then we do heats of twelve, and it's a huge night on our our rec hockey oh, tournament cool. night. Yeah, and uh, and then we have a, a Calcutta in the middle where we have one race. We get an auctioneer out to <laughs> auction off a bunch of you know uh, Wayne Duxky and and things like that. Yeah, that's and, funny, and uh, it raises a ton of money. It's a ton of fun. And yeah, um, so I was I was curious what your duck well, derby. This one goes down the Coupel River. Okay. Um, geez, I think we calculated it one time. It's 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 I don't know probably three quarters of a mile down the river and uh, how long does it take them to go down the, down the river depends like there are weather conditions that like impact the the speed of the race quite a bit like there was one year i i wasn't part of the duck derby but the the wind was working against them i, th- I think when they came out of the cage they actually went backwards upstream <laughs> about a couple hundred yards and there were people out there with flashlights till like two o'clock in the morning waiting for the winning ducks to come across but uh, usually it's about uh, I don't know, anywhere from 30 to 45, maybe an hour long race. Can so. you imagine how often, like how often kids are down at that river finding ducks? Oh, they find them in the lake. Yeah. They end up in last mountain lake. Yeah. They've, yeah. People return them. Oh yeah. <laughs> they do a pretty good job of collecting all of them, but, uh, but yeah, there's some that go astray. Absolutely. But yeah, getting back to uh, like just the volunteer effort that's in the community and myself personally, um, I'm I'm fairly involved. Um, you talked about the drive that we made up here. Uh, I've done it many times. I've lived in Lloyd. Uh, both my boys were born here. Um, spent a lot of time in in town, and uh, yeah, I've made that trip a few times. Um, 
Well, for locals, he's a former Lashburn Flyer, Neilberg Monarch. Please don't hold that against him too much, eh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Played in the North Sask River Hockey League for, oh gosh, I got to think back a handful of years. I was a, I was a Flyer for a couple of years and then found my way out to Lloyd Minster, or uh, to Neilberg. Um, and uh, yeah, fell in love with that Marsden Neilberg area. Actually, uh, when I was a student, still going to the U of R. Um, spent a summer out there living with the home adults out in their farm and playing ball with the uh, with the Lakers. And uh, summer '96, it it uh, it was a good one. Yeah, lots of fun. So yeah, were but, you, were you like um, were you like James? Then were you asleep at the wheel, not thinking this would uh, impact your kids? Absolutely, yeah. And um, I think for somebody like myself that feels like they're pretty engaged with what their kids are doing and feel like you give a lot of your time. Um, I did quickly find that uh, I was caught, I guess, I don't know, sitting, sitting back thinking this isn't, this isn't affecting me, not affecting my family. You know, there's, there's mandates, there's rules. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't impacting me, and and I was even fair. I was fairly engaged. Like coming into this hockey season, I attended a lot of the rink meetings, uh, the annual general meeting for the hockey association, and was waiting to hear, you know, some kind of a mandate or rule that was going to impact us, and and that we'd have to make a decision, and and uh, was fairly engaged and thought I was on top of things until. Uh, until uh, November 11th, Remembrance Day, uh, I'll never forget it. Sitting there on the couch, I'm watching a Remembrance Day ceremony and having my uh, one of my boys come up and toss their cell phone on my lap and say, uh, "Look, Dad, this is this is what Sask Hockey is is doing to uh, to the you know U15 and U18 AA players in the province." And uh, right in the middle of the hockey season, quickly found myself kind of on the defensive and in a position where, you know, I thought it wasn't impacting me, but I, it quickly was. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my story is, um, um, well, uh, top and I I got three young ones. I got five, four, two, right. So, uh, I still remember saying this aloud, like I'm, I'm really thankful I got young kids so they won't have to remember or go through some of the you know the hardships of what we're going because you just assumed you know in a year maybe I was being naive to think in a year this would be over and done with but certainly at two years I thought we would have had handles on this by now and carry on now my kids in my oldest is in kindergarten and uh Uh, obviously vaccines have rolled out for five to 11 year olds and now they're talking about you know from newborns up and you're going like where does this end like where where does this end and i think for a lot of people you know you two have shared your stories on you know how it all of a sudden you're like oh like this is gonna impact me i feel like that's happening to everybody right now not not everyone across the board but everybody's coming to realization at different times like oh you know to go play in the rec curling league i gotta have my vaccination hmm ah. or to have my kids play you know hockey i gotta they gotta have their vaccination you know and it's 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 kind of getting to this strange point where the everyday person who just wants to you know be a good citizen work their job go to coach their kids hockey team etc is starting to stare at this and go 
this is this is getting this is getting wrong. Like this doesn't make any sense anymore. Well, the uh, sorry to jump no, in on this. Um, okay, so it started out where you know we're going to get our vaccinations. It's all going to be over because basically that's what the government and the media were telling everybody is like yeah. you know we're going to get ahead of this. We're gonna, we're going to win. Well, the numbers and the stats don't lie. Like the vaccination is not getting us to where we want to be. And more people with vaccines that are vaccinated are catching it more than the non-vaccinated. Um, it's a debate to see who's more like ill or not ill. I think that really depends on the fitness or the, the ability of that person to fight off the, the COVID at the time, whatever variant it is. So now that people are realizing that vaccinated people aren't the problem, the government's still saying it is, but actual local people, and, and Henry, maybe you should talk about the situation with your wife that was invited, and, you know, if you want to elaborate on that uh, before yeah. I carry on, but. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's becoming more, uh, well, I mean, the kids are going home from, uh, you know, from school and on the Christmas vacation, and what are they coming home with, right? Rapid tests, you know. That the teachers are sending them home with rapid tests, and and it's not just the unvaccinated kids that are getting these tests, which I mean, you know, if if you haven't done one before, they're 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 not hard to do, and um, and um, they, you know they give you a, they give you a, a point in time that you can make a decision, and and yeah, more and more, um, I guess people that you know felt that you know I've done my part, I've got my vaccine, but it's becoming evident that you know. We need to be testing as well to feel like that we can go out and see our loved ones. All the stuff that, you know, some of the unvaccinated population have been having to do to keep their jobs and, and uh, you know, play their sports because their own personal decision or personal medical situation put them in the minority and, and put them in a segregated part of society and, and, and vilified by, you know, um, media by well, and by our leaders by politicians. Li- listeners always love to point this out. Now, I'll, I'll stretch it to go by the beer, yeah. to uh, get in a restaurant, to go to an Oiler game. I assume a Saskatchewan Rush game. Uh, and uh, one of my lovely listeners always love to point out to go in a courthouse. To go in a courthouse, you have to have your your vaccine or a negative COVID test, right? Yeah. And so this has started to filter into a good good chunk of society. And it was a lawyer, uh, the, the, oh God, I'm forgetting, Andre, I'm forgetting your last name, I apologize. Uh, they just won a case against New Brunswick because they were going to have grocery stores start to say that you couldn't go in the grocery store, right? And you yeah. could do curbside pickup. And, and you just see where this is heading. And yet all of us sit back and, I mean, it's the news is even talking about it at this point, right? Like, yeah. I'm not sitting here acting like uh, millions of vaccinated people are dying, but they're getting sick, which means they're spreading COVID. Which means if the whole point of all this is to stop spreading COVID, maybe we need to rethink um, how we're approaching problems. Because, honestly, it's pretty evident at this point that it, it doesn't stop transmission. And it doesn't even stop you from getting it. It's great that you get easier symptoms or less severe symptoms, but you're still getting it. Which means you can still get it, you can still pass it, and yet we're penalizing a small part of the population that hasn't went and got the vaccine. Which goes back to that you know, situations in foreign countries where 
it starts off as a small thing and it starts off against you and them. And we've all heard those words and uh, it's, it's actually quite alarming how quickly our society went from peaceful, loving people to all of a sudden um, now we got a situation where we got families turning on each other within their families. We've got people willing to point people out that they're vaccinated, not vaccinated to, to the situation where the government is actually uh, depriving uh, non-vaccinated people to, uh, Hey, listen, if you're not vaccinated, you don't get to enjoy these parts of life. Although they pay their taxes, they do what they got to do to survive. And, and it's, 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 they're actually creating another divide, which our country at any time in its history needs to be brought together. Yeah. And I think it's starting to turn the corner. Like the example that, that you kind of led us into here with, you know, you know, your friends, your family that would normally, you know, I'm vaccinated, I'm good to go come over. Let's, let's go do this. Let's go do that. Like they're, it's starting to become, I guess, more acceptable that no, we got to check ourselves too. Like, yeah, we're going to have a house party, but before you come over, you know, those kits that, you, you know, your, your, uh, your kid brought home from school or the kits that they're handing out, you know, at the, you know, town hall, Let, like, let's, let's take a check before we go visit grandma or before we come over. And, and it's, I don't know, it, it's starting, I think, to turn the corner, like, especially when you have, when you have, you know, leaders in the community and in government that are saying, you know, like, like I got to hand it to Scott Moe um, for sticking his neck out and being one of the very first um, leaders and, and premiers of, of, you know, the provinces that make up our great country to come out and say, you know, it's time to stop vilifying the unvaccinated. Like for him to do that, to stick his neck out, it took a lot. Um, you know, he took a lot of heat for, for saying that, especially when it, is almost a 180 degrees different to, you know, things that he'd said before. Uh, that, that takes a lot of courage. I, I think that shows some leadership and, and, uh, you know, I, I called his office, uh, afterwards, somebody that we'll talk about later, um, in your show here, um, you know, somebody that, you know, when you see positive behaviors, um, to support them. Well, Nadine um, Ness comes right to mind because I just had her on, right? You, yeah. You got to um, applaud him. I mean, Scott Moe has a lot of things rolling through my brain. And at the end of the day, you got to applaud him for take, yeah. trying to take a step in the right direction. I, I called his office. They picked up the phone. The gal at the at the reception, she uh, she couldn't put me through to him. But, uh, but you know, I said, what do, what do you want to say? And I just told her, I said, you know, I, I uh, as somebody who's, you know, on the receiving end of some of these, you know, some of the things that are happening and on the receiving end of some of his comments to hear him turn around and say you know this is this is wrong this isn't us this isn't the way that we should be treating each other like you know it it was a it was a, a glimmer of hope it was a you know it was a small thing but uh i just i just wanted him to know that uh it meant a lot to me and i think you know hearing things like that from our leaders is important um of course you know obviously some people aren't gonna agree with that some people have completely the other uh the other um opinion but that that's not, I don't think the way we, we are. And, and yeah, like I, I listened to your, uh, to your, uh, interview with Nadine and, uh, um, yeah, it's, 
she's uh she's another one that's well i keep know. thinking if he would just make a hard line and open th- not open th- i don't know open things back up start treating people with like dignity and everything else you get an influx from all of canada everybody's waiting for somebody to do it so they can just get out of like you look at ontario right now and uh they're going back into the dark ages again and i think if i was sitting there i'm just looking for a glimmer of hope in the west to go to right you know what the problem is it's mm. the way that our political system is structured and coordinated with our with our media structure it it's political suicide like it's it's really at the end of the day um they've got mandates pushed down by the federal government the provincial government puts another layer of onion on it sends it down to local government local government distributes it throughout the population and makes they they don't have actual law enforcement like going around checking on this. They've got um, health like SAS health guys checking on it. They've got they make rink boards. They make yeah. you know people everyday that really, people everyday people enforce this. And the reason that they're doing it is because their jobs are on the line. They got mortgages. They got to pay their bills. And I'm not trying to give them an excuse, but they've. They're they're basically financially forced into we all are into though. doing it exactly aren't, aren't we all at this point yeah that's that's and what everybody keeps saying like you know I keep asking why aren't more doctors standing up well because it's their livelihood it's everything they've worked for it's blah 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 it's like it's fair but the dark days come when when good men stand around and do nothing well and that's why I think we're here yeah you know because uh, I was standing on sidelines too and looking back at it that was the wrong thing to do. And I don't really care too much about myself, but I care about my kids. So if 10 years down the road, the vaccine's the right thing to do, and it's safe, and it's displayed that it's going to work, hey, I'm all for it. They've had flu shots for however long. Never had a flu shot in my life. I've lived all over the world. I've been exposed to all kinds of whatever's out there. Thank God I've stopped licking doorknobs, so I'm a little bit healthier. And... (laughs) You know, like, but maybe that made me stronger too. I Who knows, right? Your body is such an amazing organism that fights stuff off constantly. We're, it's a constant miracle going on inside of us. Well, and you, like, said, you said early on vaccines have been around for 30, 40 years. They've actually been around for 300 years. We've been having this 1720, if you go back in the books, for 300 years the population has been arguing about vaccines. So, like, this is, some of these vaccines have been trialed and tested and screwed up and tested again and screwed up again. And, you know, it for a long time. This has been a moral dilemma for a long time because when you vaccinate a huge swath of people, you have to understand there's going to be healthy people in there that get hurt by it. Okay, and here's, I think my, they do. here's my question to you then. Yeah. How long has humanity been on the planet? A lot longer than that. Like 20, 30,000 years? Well, like. Who who uh, what number are we going here? Yeah, you want exactly. to go back? You want to go back like to the old to bones? when we're a caveman? <laughs> yeah, like, well, I mean, like, like that's a long time. So guess what? They didn't have vaccines. A hundred thousand years they didn't or, have a vaccine. Or, yeah, whatever. So you got to believe that in our bodies is a system to protect ourselves is from a, viruses. Is a complex that has been. It's like it's been changing for thousands and thousands of years. So you can't tell me that that our bodies aren't able to it i'm sorry to say it but you know there there's people that 
are compromised in, in health that need to be protected. Yeah, but I, I go but back the, to... The average healthy, like when a baby's born, it's got to drink the mother's milk to help its immune system to kickstart it. Like that's that's the most essential thing to get your to be a like us your body to survive through what it's got to go through for the rest of your life and that has been developed by nature and well, it's it's proven to be effective like the um the spanish flu like it killed millions of people across the world eventually everybody was exposed to the spanish flu and whoever could fight it off survived there's still no cure for the spanish flu but our bodies know how to fight and it's been passed on to us since the you know 1918 or whenever the hell it was around well i just go it's back to i there. just had peter mccullough on only a couple episodes ago and he's been on multiple times and he talks about you know like it doesn't matter if you're the most fit guy in the world or you're an 85 year old when covid hits you if you take the the protocols that they've been working on and developing you need to get over this you just can you can do it at 85 you can do it at 22 right Obviously, kids, for the most part, got a robust whatever because they were kicking it to the curb fast. Now, that isn't every kid. I've heard of different stories where yep. kids develop some things or kids got underlying conditions. I'm not saying every kid, but majority of kids kick to this curb. And then as you go up, you know, the the, the age groups, and like you can be the most healthy guy. Joe Rogan's a healthy guy. He still took the monoclonal antibodies and the ivermectin and all the different things so he could get over it because there's no point in fooling around with it. And I think that's one of the things I try and impress on the listener is like when you when you come to the COVID thing, it's like you get it, just treat it serious. And by treating it serious, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do to help get over it real fast. But I mean, to have you boys in here, have all the way come up here, we haven't even got to sass cocky. I mean, we have a little bit. But the big day coming is January 10th, isn't it? January 11th? Yep. January 10th. 10th. Yeah. Yeah. January 10th is the kind of the deadline to uh, either be fully vaccinated or now that they've revised their policy, um, you know, you can present um, your uh, your test results, third-party test results every three days to attend any event. So, yeah. So, I... I got to jump in here real quick. Like I got to really give them, I, I honestly, I got to give a hats off to these guys. Cause at first their policy was absolutely like yeah. nothing other than vaccination. Yeah. And I don't know, like the, if the, they got a pulse on, on what's going on in the community or they've, they're looking at their numbers and seeing how this works. I bet you their but phone says, didn't stop ringing for a week straight. Well, that could be part of it too, but I I, I want to give them some kudos here because I don't want to throw these guys on the bus. Yeah, that's fair. That's at fair. the end of the day, like, SAS Hockey looked at what was going on. They they listened to the people that, that are basically paying the fees and, you know, care about their, like, their children's well-being. Although the people calling in, you know, were vaccinated and unvaccinated. Um, at the time, they they listened to us and they they looked at the science and they made a change and so i really feel that you know having that happen once i think sas hockey is watching and following what's going on with the infection rates they're watching what's going on throughout the country and although there is a, a hard date that they set you never know what could happen by by the 10th of january 
Like it's, it's still things are changing from day to day and week to week. It seems like, and it's, um, so there's some leadership there. Yeah. Um, either in the, either in the office or in the board that they're, they're actually, they're actually looking at what's going on. And so, well, uh, I'm always half cup full. Yeah, for sure. I'm, Hey, uh, come January 10th, if it's still that mandate. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll work with it. I would like to see it go to where if they really want to do a, a good thing for everybody that they look at that vaccinated people are spreading it and catching it as much as anybody else is that they go to a rapid test that everybody does. that's on the team, part of the team so that these kids at the end of the day, they can just go be kids and play hockey and have fun. And if they, if they do test positive at home, they just don't show up and the coach doesn't like, phone him up and give his parents the gears, right? Like it's just, if they really want to do it right, that's, I think the direction that everybody should go in hockey or any sport. Yeah. I, you know, and that's, if we really want to do make a difference, then that's the way for, for us to protect our kids. Do I, I want to see it to go that way? No, I, d- I definitely don't. I want, because of the amount of kids that, that, um, that get sick and get, like die from this i'd rather see them just be kids and live the life that we got to live yeah if you're sick just stay home yeah so you either do it all or you don't do anything don't go in the middle and like just try and cater to the vaccinated people because obviously that's not working let's let's make it fair for everybody let's not like start doing the him and her and the he is and he isn't or she is and she isn't Let's treat everybody equal and, and stop calling people out and either do it all like the government wants, like their mandate, or you don't do any of it. Well, and I, I think they did get a lot of feedback from some upset parents, you know, people that were concerned with the direction of there's only one solution and that's it. And to, and I mean, even the, the way that it was applied to AA players only because they travel a bit more than, you know, the U15A or the U18A, even that, I mean, when you look at where the outbreaks are happening in the province and, and it's available on the website, like you can go into the Sask Health website and you can look up where the, out, where the outbreaks are happening and it's, it's not in sports settings. There are some, but, um, it's, you know, majority's happening in homes, homes, right? school, um, you know, there, there's kids getting it and, and I mean, but it, it the hockey rink isn't the, the main vector, right? And, uh, um, you know, I, I give the Sask hockey guys a lot of credit for being accessible. Um, you know, on like, you know, the news hit me on, you know, November 11th on the 12th, as soon as the, you know, clock ticked over at eight o'clock, I was on the phone and, and they, they got me through like Kelly McClintock answered the phone and, uh, I talked to him for 45 minutes and, you know, he, uh, he was accessible. They've all been um, very accessible in terms of sending emails and and uh, they did course correct and revise the policy. But I, I, I do think there's still some flaws in it and that it, it could be better. And I guess, you know, kind of just going back to the, the message that I, I'm hoping people get out of this is, you know, just because your kid's not affected um, because you're able to sit at home and, and, you know, you're not happy with the direction or maybe you're just learning about it and, and it's like, well, thank goodness, is this, uh, this isn't my kid. I, I, I'd implore you to 
pick up the phone and, and voice your your concerns and and share that with you know maybe it's sask hockey you know maybe it's uh your local school board maybe it's your hockey rink maybe it's your hockey association you know maybe you're already you've already been through this like there are hockey associations in the province that have mandated this before the season even started which at least going into the season you knew where where you were going with like this was dropped on us right in the middle of the season and uh some pretty tight timelines to meet the january 10th uh deadline but uh um yeah this this whole situation that we're in it, it's just changing so quickly like how many how many nhl teams right now are are shut down like I, you can't even keep up with it. it it goes from three to five to ten to well, i don't I was, know what it is today like, i was joking that they were talking about shutting <clears throat> the oilers down and they were having so many players and i said you know when was the last time Lumsden didn't play a hockey game because they only had eleven skaters? I mean, I mean, geez, and seniors—that's what you kind of the standard road game is. You're rolling in with one goalie, and you got the guy stretching in case the goalie goes down. He's going to flop yeah. on the goalie gear. Everybody says McDavid can't can't play thirty. I say he's the best guy on the bloody planet. Let him play. Yeah, but I mean, it's so evident in the NHL. Yeah. The NBA, well, the NFL. Every sport. I got every an sport. answer for your question, by the way. It was just this past weekend that Lumsden didn't play a game. They had an outbreak. Really? On the team. Well, guess what? Highway Hockey League has had a vaccine mandate from the start of the year. Right? In order, All senior hockey, in order to play without masks, everybody has to be vaccinated. Yeah. So if they're wearing... As they're playing, they got to wear a mask. Yeah. If, if, if they're not vaccinated. Yeah, think about that. I Listen, don't get me fired up about that. I think some of these rules are just like... Yeah. We, my personal thought is, you know, we should be imploring people to be active right in a time where we've sat around for a year two years and we haven't deemed gyms essential skating essential like getting out and being active essential like yeah that's what's healthy you know that goes back to the mental health for our youngest of our future leaders right like what are we doing to to protect these kids from not being seriously affected by this for the rest of their life like people have no idea what they're doing by thinking they're protecting their children and their elderly. They're actually taken away from our ability to be a nation in the future. It, it's it just mind boggling to me. Well, we think by wrapping people in bubble suits, they're gonna they're gonna survive and they'll be better off for it in the future. But we all come from, uh, I assume, uh, a life of where. You fell, you got scraped, you got banged up, you got up and you did it again, and mom and dad weren't there to watch you do yep. it. That's a long way from your heart, son. Get back out there. <laughs> are you hurt or are you injured? Yeah. Oh. It's just, it's, you know, it's, like, so I always go back to Skip Craig. Skip Craig was a guest very, very early on in the podcast. He played for, like, the Buffalo Sabres and the Boston Bruins back in the Bobby Orr days. He was on the original Buffalo Sabres team. He played for the WHA Oilers, and he said, hockey mirrors society. Because we got talking about helmets and, uh, you know, fighting in hockey, and he just said, hockey mirrors society. And I just think, you know, once again, his his words have really echoed a long time to me because this pandemic, would we have done this in 1918? No, but, I mean, 1918, I mean, we're 100 years ago, and people were dying, and maybe they should have done some more of what we're doing. Maybe not all of it, but some of it, because they were having people all over the place, but they were fighting a world war. They didn't yeah. give two crap. I mean, Well, you know? it just came out of it, but you got to remember social media. Like, like by the time something was going on in the Maritimes, by the time it got to the telegraph station would have been, you know, within minutes, 
But now to disperse that out throughout the You can the, reach the every province, single person by the pocket, yeah, right? Immediately. Like, I, I, t- I get in arguments. This phone is the demise of of basically freedoms as as a child like as we were kids ripping around doing whatever we were doing you know we actually grew up where we can we're free we're respectful because the last thing you wanted was your dad to find out but we did stuff and things that like kids aren't going to be able to do now because they got this in their hand if you were inside the house and the sun was still up you were in trouble right oh get out don't come back till yeah you'd be washing floors or doing something that you didn't want to be doing yeah no and um it's it's actually affected how our kids grow up and and they're we're the last generation of being free like running like free range animals like running around the community you know and if you're getting out of line somebody would slap you in the back of the head and tell you to smarten up and yes sir don't tell my dad and where you go he goes somewhere else right yeah and it was awesome like I lived up in a community at Regina Beach and run around the beach. And if you didn't have lunch at somebody's house, they ate supper at your house. And you just roam around the town like a crew of guys and, you know, on your bikes. And there was no cell phones. Like we'd ride out to the rapids on gravel roads. It was like 20 miles away in 30 degree weather without a water bottle between 10 of you to go throw rocks at turtles in the in the river like it was just yeah what are we doing next let's go get bottles at the beach and go buy a pop you know like 20 miles back you know that's what we did right like it was just that that's been taken away from our kids because they can't do that anymore like you can't go out of the, like you don't see a kid without a mom putting a water bottle in a kid's mouth every five minutes um when i was overseas in in 06 i could go three days with three liters of water uh you know in 40 or 50 degree weather fighting the enemy when uh a newer soldier that was drinking and forced to drink water through his training and such was running short on water and they we'd have to share with these guys like us older guys like going through military training when you were told to drink water the sergeant would stand you in a line the guy that was being a jerk we drank his water bottle first and we all shared the same water bottle because you couldn't walk around with a water bottle slushing around, giving away your work because we're a reconnaissance outfit. <laughs> we drank his water first. So he, you know, that was the sergeant's way of saying you're a shithead. You know, now you have no water. So if you want more water, you better start pulling the party line, right? That was his way of controlling them, right? So, you know, that was, that was how life was. But nowadays it's like every time you turn around, somebody's got a layer of onion to put on a kid. To protect that guy and we're actually creating more harm than good don't you think and i don't mean i just mean us as the collective we've all played our part in where we, we're at right now and I'm, what i mean by that is i th- think here spitballing as i go i do this from time to time is like you know this is much my world as it is your world as it is you know billy's world down the road in that for too long we've been a little complacent and uh, things have been really good in Canada. I, I can't think we would any of us would disagree with that for the first, you know, up until 2020 February. It had been pretty good run that, until then. Uh, and, and, and this is what we've inherited by not realizing, you know, like whether it was being on, you know, just on a local level, arena board, school board, 
Um, and I'm not sitting here. I, w- I want to make clear on this. There's probably been lots of lovely people on there. But just as time marches on, things have gotten soft because of probably good times, right? And we've, you know, I don't yell at the wife when she puts the water bottle in the kid's backpack, right? That's just kind of what it is now. It's common practice. It's common yeah. practice. But that's what good times have probably created is soft, soft people. And we've just, you know, we just kind of roll in. I laugh. I'm saying that to a military guy because I can see him. I, I can see him. He's, he's sizing me up right now. He's going, I, I don't know if I agree with that. But I think about yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Oh, I well, we were just talking about it this morning. Like, I'm standing <laughs> in Jamie's living room. And, I mean, you got to go to this guy's house. It's, it's uh, well, it's, it's beautiful to start with. But he's got a picture of his dad on a rail car, you know, loading three foot by three foot cubes of ice. I mean, these were... These were hard men, and it wasn't that long ago, you know. No, a like, lifetime ago. Yeah, a lifetime. Like There's my, people still alive that did that. Yeah, yeah. like my, uh, you know, when when my parents were born, you know, they they shit in a dirt hole. There wasn't running water in the house, yeah. right? Like, and now, you know, we got kids. You know, you walk to the back of the bus on a hockey trip, and there's you know, seventeen kids back there, and there's seventeen cell phones, and they're all. Uh, they're they're in they're you know whatever they're texting or or you know they're on their social media or they're playing a video game and they're together but it's they're not playing cards no. right they're not they're not uh, you know trading stories they're they're uh, they're making memories on the on the in the virtual world and and I, I don't know if we got good kids and and uh, and you know they're they're our future but. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what kind of future they're inheriting, and like I, I know where you're going with it. Like, he, yeah, he, you know, w- yeah. W- I had an easy life. Like, I, I, and I, I, I can't, and I can't sit here and say we could have done anything about it, right? Like, I look at it, and we can all agree. I think we can all sit here and agree. Social media is a bad thing. Like, it, it is a a reason we're in the re- the place we're in. It's done a lot of good things. Yeah. But overall, we can all sit here and go, man, you can see the evil that is created by something that dings at you and alerts you immediately and how you can be controlled by that. Yeah. But we're not getting away from it. Like, well, and they aren't going to just all of a sudden snap a finger. Can you imagine tomorrow there's no social media? Yeah. How many kids would come out of their house and just be like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, oh, deck of cards, checkers, <laughs> chess. Yeah. No, but here's the, here's the problem I got with social media is anybody could pick this up and be an expert or a doctor. Yeah. And they could be like somebody that has no idea and somebody will read that and take it verbatim like this is real yeah so it's like the mars the attack of the planets like they did in the 40s where they did that radio broadcast to generate this the martians are invading and people were grabbing their shotguns like they really believed it because, oh yeah like yeah, that was a like it, it was a thing that it they actually happened put on right? the radio yeah, yeah. And it it was really I'm like, just where are you a radio going show. This, man, it's just a radio. It's just yeah. a radio show, yeah, right? You're right. Yeah. So people pick this up right now, and it's the same situation where it's like, oh, the Martians are invading because they read something by some called doctor where they can't fact check it, and then they spread that on like right away, just out of instinct. They just like in communication with whoever, without researching it first to make sure, oh, this is legitimate. You, you know what I mean? It, and that's the problem is that anything that's on here you got to do some digging and some researching to make sure what you're saying is really real because you you really don't know you think we'll get better at that over time geez i don't know how you do it it's so far down the road well i mean how do you put a check stop in on that they're censoring people now 
Yeah, but they're censoring them maybe because they're not saying the right things. Yeah, but I, even we know our news feeds are fellas, not logistic. I've been censored. realistic. I the censorship part of this is scary. Oh. I've been I've been censored right by yeah. having a marine biologist on the show. Think about that one. Yeah, like and and that's a freedom. Like we can't start being censored. Like we can't decide who's censored. And who's I just not I censored. wonder when the average person starts fact checking not only themselves but people they you know like how long does it take to realize to most people that everything that comes across your feed isn't mm, i should probably just mm, let's let's do a little more digging than just retweet that because maybe that doesn't feel right like do we get better at this or do we get worse at this well we're, we're i think you, i think we gotta we self-check though like i'll i'll find out something and hank's way smarter than i am <laughs> Like he's got a computer in front of him. I got a ball cap. Anyways, <laughs> um, I go to him. I'm okay. like, hey, man, like, what do you think of this? Like, is this something we should talk about tomorrow? Let's let's figure out if this is legit or not. And if we don't know, like, and I, I tell this to my kids, like, don't assume anything. Like, because you're just going to make an ass of you and me, right? Like, so... So let's make sure we're we're talking about real things and here's the stats and the science and the numbers, which is out there, like cause SAS government does it, Alberta does it, Manitoba does it. And going back to Kelly and, and like SAS hockey, obviously these guys are feeling this because they are adjusting to what their policies are. They're giving us worst case scenario January tenth. But we don't know what's going to happen January 10th because they've already demonstrated, hey, this is what's happening now. You know, this is our new policy. They're, they're obviously not going to say nothing until that day, but just like they did prior to the, the last mandate. But It's too bad they wouldn't uh, uh, say something before that. Because as the, as the days get closer, you know everybody's going to feel, because I've certainly felt But things a couple- are changing rapidly right now, right? Like, so... Like, just hate bringing up military situations, but they're funnier in hell sometimes. Oh, they're pretty relevant too. Like, it's- so we had a new officer that came into to our our company. We had a wounded officer, so this guy come fresh in out of Canada, hasn't been in battle yet, feels he's got to give a a, so- a proper set of orders to us, and we've been fighting for four or five months by this time. And um, as he's going through his battle orders and we're going to do this at this time or we're going to do this at that time, we'll be at this grid reference by by this hour, you know, and then we're going to attack the enemy from this position. And after everything was said and done, we're all listening. And then he asked for questions. And this older corporal sticks his hands up and he goes, sir, I got a question. He goes, yeah, corporal so-and-so. He goes, so you ran this by the Taliban? Taliban's okay with your timings and everybody just bursts out laughing right because like all the plans are great until the first round is fired downrange then everything just goes to shit right like you just you just got to cope and deal with what's in front of you you got to plan until you get punched in the face everybody's got to plan until they get punched in the face you just got to fight what's in front of you (laughs) you achieve that small little goal and find the next fight and just keep moving and you don't know who's going to make it to the end of the like till the end of the kill box and when you get to the end of the kill box and you figure out where, like who's missing, where are they, let's go get them. And usually it's dehydration that, you know, was our biggest casualties. But yeah, like that's the reality. Right? Dehydration so, was your biggest casualty? Say that? You got oh, to totally, Afghanistan? Totally. 
Like uh, in the middle of a firefight, you we, would lose guys it was to dehydration. Sixty. The hottest day I fought over there was sixty-four Celsius. And oh, it okay. was it was so hot. Radios don't work. Uh, it's like we were we were trying to move across an open field. Your body a, temperatures you're cooler carrying, than the environment you're in. Well, no, I I would beg to differ. Well, obviously it is, or we'd be dead. But you got a Kevlar helmet on. You got body armor on. You got you're carrying all sorts of ammunition and stuff like it's. Yeah. So you think you're running, and and we've got video of of us in one of these attacks, where I think I'm running across this field, and you can, anyways. There's like incoming fire and such, and uh, when when you actually see the video, you're like. Is it in slow motion? Like, were we really moving that slowly across the field? But it was like everything you could do to get across that field, gain entry into the village, fight your way through to the other side. And like people physically fall flat on their face because they're just dehydrated and fall down. And going back to uh, hydration. So I'm an older guy, like I'm 36 at the time which I still look like I'm 22. But anyways, Act that's like a different 12. story. Yeah, maybe 12. I love anyways. how he says that as we have no video for this episode. Yeah, eh? yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll, I'll find a picture from 20 years ago and I'll put it up somewhere. But no, uh, so going back to like learning how to like uh, condition your body for those environments, like a good friend of mine, Willie McDonald, uh, not name dropping him, but him and I would drink coffee when other guys are drinking water, like we're like out in, like you didn't even have to heat it up. It's freaking hot as hell. Right. So our water would dissolve our instant coffee and we drink it and chit chat. And (laughs) other guys are like looking at us, shaking their head. Like that's coffee. That's not like helping you. It's like, shut up. Fucking, you know, like that's just how we work. Cause that's how we're, we were raised or trained in the military. No, but what you're saying though, like getting back to your point where buddy made the joke about it. Did you check this over with the Taliban? Like, you, you have a plan, but I mean, yeah. when the you condition, just don't know. when the conditions that you're working in change, well, that plan has to change. Yeah, and, yeah. and, I, I and that's really getting feel, back to Sascock. And like, I really feel they got the leadership there that's looking at this, and they've demonstrated it. And I'm I'm optimistic. I have cup full here. I think uh, I'm hoping that that the right decisions well, are made. Well, I mean, as we sit here. How many hockey? Let's just stick to the NHL. How many NHL games have been canceled now in the last three weeks? And rolling into Christmas, they're going to probably have an extended break. You know, they're talking about not letting them go uh, overseas now for the Olympics, right? Because they shouldn't go anyway. That's the entire Olympics should be. Um, they oh, should yeah. take. I, oh, go. have I opened? <laughs> oh, they should take every winter sport and put them in different parts of the world. Like take skiing to like Switzerland, take hockey to Canada, take curling to Canada, you know, like take different parts of the winter Olympics, put them in different parts of the world. Let's do the Olympics, but don't do it in China. Like after like every, Uh, like the, from COVID to what's going on in Taiwan to what they're doing to the leaguers. Like we're, it's, it's like 1936 when Germany held the Olympics prior to world war two. Like, People have no idea, and, and history repeats itself, and we've always been taught that, but nobody's listening and watching what's really going on. It's it's horrific. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that, but that's a good point when you talk about uh, essentially boycotting China is what you're saying. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. not that not uh, let that, the olympics happen but yeah. in different parts of the world and that can happen where were you thinking he was going? I thought he was going to say that pro sport, uh, pro athletes have no business being in the Olympics. Because I just literally had an argument with a guy about this. I think if you're the best of the best, you should go compete with the best. Myself. And who doesn't want to be in the best? Like, I've always inspired to be working with the best, fighting with the best. Yep. I, I do like watching pro hockey players get together well, and, think- and have a tournament. <clears throat> Think, where it, th- you know they're playing for their country, and yeah, and, think and these guys get up for it. Think well, you're totally. you're you're the uh, give me a different sport. You're the pro downhill skier, but since they have a circuit where somebody makes a bit of money doing yeah. it, and they're the best in the world, now they're not allowed to go. So now you're not actually getting the best skier in the world. No, that's what hockey is. Well, yeah. they the, just get more money. The problem with right? hockey, yeah, and and I believe in capitalism. Like people should make money. I get it. But they know every four years there's going to be an Olympics. Change the schedule, like this. And and I feel, and when I say cancel the Olympics, if if every athlete that couldn't go to China because we can't find another place for them to do their sport, I think as a as a as a athlete that's horrible because they train, they're, they're ready for it, they want to do this, and we're stealing their dream, right? Um, what's happening though is, is you got to understand like by giving China the Olympics and you going there, um, has nothing to do with, with what you're training and what you're desiring for. Cause sport really at the end of the day is, you know, I've got a theory behind it. Everybody's got a theory behind it. They got a belief behind it, but it's something that unites us as people. It, it creates emotion and, and passion, amongst people camaraderie camaraderie yeah. it builds us like i believe sport was invented to develop warriors in peacetime like right back to the original olympics if we really look at it that's why sport was you know there that's why i'm passionate about hockey rugby hockey is so much like battle it's incredible because you're on the attack you're on the defense you got to maneuver you got to think three steps ahead at all times of where you you're going to be together. on the ice. You got to work together, yeah. teamwork. And when fighting went from caveman throwing rock to Roman legions, lining up in order and, and learning formations to maneuver through enemy uh, positions, that's where sport was developed to create those same teamwork and movements so men could work together as, as fighting units, not individuals. And so sport is developed from combat really is, is where, where it developed to. And when you watch like young, young girls to young boys on the ice, working as a team, as a unit, thinking forward to where they got to be on the attack or the, or the defense and, and the main goal is to win the, win the game. Uh, The nice thing about sport is you don't have dead people at the end of it. Right. And, and you have, and you congratulate the people that beat you. So it teaches you humility. Like you just learned so much about it. It's 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 best. It's it's so awesome to have sport in our way of the world and our way of life, right? Like it's it's incredible. Would you say it's equivalent to part of a kid's education? Like, oh, totally. Like to me, even though like there's a lot of sport that is played in the school, but I mean our hockey rink is an extension of the community. It's an extension of the school. Like, I mean, as essential as it is for kids to go to school and everybody knows that a public school, you can't turn kids away. 
um, I, I believe that our hockey rinks are an extension of that. And, well, hey, and they should be treated that way. Hey, we've coached together. And one of the best things I, I love to do is, like, I'm on an initiation team now. Yeah. And I love to, first thing I tell the kids and I tell the coaches I coach with is I'm not here to make an NHL player. I'm here to teach a child, boy or girl, that uh, this is going to, like, benefit you to be a better brother, better sister, better schoolmate, better member in our community, and a better at the end role, like our whole job is to be a better mother or dad. I got a cool story to tell right? you about that. So, so that's my goal, right? Yeah. And I love drawing community into the team, right? So I, I love being in the main foyer of the Lumsden or Bethune rink. It's got all the banners up there, yeah. everybody's names. It's got us coaches names on there. And I'll, I'll go to my boy. See that? That's your older brother's name up there. Yeah. You see that? That's my name up there. That's, you know, championship, league championship this year. And my son, you know, he's six now. He's like, hey, he's telling his buddies, hey, there's my brother's name. And there's my dad's name. And, you know, it's cool, right? Because yeah. that's why we're better than most communities when it comes to hockey. Because when you play in the city, they don't have that community, that link to their rank. Like it's harder kids to play, do. kids is. play on different teams. Yeah. They don't understand the banners. There's no names up there. You know what I mean? So wow. in a smaller environment, they see their family's names up there. Like my kid can go find my dad on the wall. Like there's a picture of him on the wall. Like it's, it's cool. The, right? Saskatchewan's built on its rural communities, its rural roots. And I would say I go one step farther. The hockey rink is the heart of all the communities absolutely right they and that's all why, rallied around the rink and that's, that's why, why we can't let this end we no. can't let this stop for these kids like our kids have to be part of this and carry on this thing that builds these communities and builds better people and builds better mother and dads right yeah, yeah. it breaks that chain of like all the ugliness that's going on out there our lives are getting better and we got to believe that our kids are going to raise great kids and you know, build our community strong. Well, that's right? what you guys are doing here today, right? Voicing an opinion, getting it, getting it out to to uh, a larger community because they're going to hear it, right? There's tons of people that think exactly like you two do, especially when it comes to hockey and kids, and honestly, sas, you know, the sas hockey part of it, right? That's, yeah. that's where my roots are, so I hear all about it when that yeah. the ruling came down. The amount of people that I heard that were calling, you know, and I, I'll give this to Kelly McClintock and the, the team over there. The one thing that I heard that I think surprised everyone was how accessible they were. So you got you to gotta give them credit. Oh, yeah. They, sure. they didn't hide behind voicemail and, and not talk to people. They talked to people over and over and over again. And I think that's pretty admirable considering the times we're in. And a lot of uh, our lovely politicians, I can't say the same thing for. I no. did date a girl one time said that I wasn't uh, approachable. <laughs> and that I was stubborn and such. And you know what? She was right. Um, and I've learned from that. Like I've learned, okay, well, they, you know, I've have to be more than just think of myself and, and I got to like look at somebody else's position and be in their shoes. And I really believe that like in my heart, like I, I believe that they're looking at things. They made a decision uh, they looked at what was going on and they were mature enough and responsible enough to make a change. 
And I, I think that's great leadership. You know, I want, I want to be more like that, right? Um, I want to demonstrate that to my kids as well. So, and they are demonstrating that, like our kids are affected by their decisions. Yeah. Our communities, our, our kids' mental health. Like I, I think they're really starting to, to look into it and see that this is, well, this and, is important. And, but that being said, I mean, even since the change that they made, whatever it was, November 15th, if you look at the date on the most recent version, things have changed a ton in a month. A ton. And, and, and the, the policy hasn't kept up with it. And, well, and there are still some things in there that. But I think, I think that's because it's in flux. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in effect yet. But I mean, people are making decisions based on the way that the policy is currently worded. And there's some, I think there's some things that we should talk about too that, that maybe aren't out in the public um, space yet or on their website, but that, you know, certain team officials and, and people that are on the hockey associations are, are privy to. And, and uh, again, I think it, you're talking vaccination status, that type of thing? Just how they're talking about monitoring, um, you know, keeping track of the kids. And once things are in effect, um, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're going down a road where, uh, um, you know, private medical information is, is going to be collected, documented in a hard copy, you know, sent in to the Sask Hockey Association twice a week. Just so many potential... Uh, liability issues and and potential for you know i guess they call them a covid rep but volunteers within each hockey team that are being tasked with uh collecting private medical information yeah and collecting it in a way that identifies each person's status is the concern that i have that i've raised and that as of right now is is still in effect but yeah it's um well let's let's talk about that how um assuming your biggest concern is the spread of COVID. How can you get away from that that isn't doing exactly what they're doing? What's the solution? Because we can offer up different uh, ideas around this. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, um, So a, a memo went out to, uh, to the hockey associations and was distributed to team managers and, and you know, team volunteers that are, uh, you know, they signed up to help out their team. They're volunteering. Um, you know, now they're part of the mandate. And uh, they're being tasked with collecting names and putting check marks on boxes that clearly identify whether you're vaccinated or whether you're providing, um, you know, a, 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 a test of your negative, you know, COVID status. So a rapid test, a PCR test. Um, so the, like on January 11th, your, uh, your friendly neighborhood COVID rep on your team, somebody that is just, you know, Somebody in the community, somebody that's volunteering their time, is going to be collecting. <laughs> we, somebody who got voluntold, yeah, we yeah, can all know yeah. that. Well, it's carry on. Yeah, on. well, I mean, they're going to be asking for your your medical records, and instead of like what happens at a restaurant now, where they look at it and they either they let you in or they turn you away, this person's going to look at it and then they're going to mark on a piece of paper. Yeah, they're going to document it, and then that document's going to get sent in. Yeah. So they're 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 putting it on a piece of paper. They're keeping it in a binder in a backpack in their back pocket on a piece of paper, and then they got to send it into SHA. So again, they're they're digitally making a copy of it, transferring it via email, and 
and then they're told they need to keep their records just in case they get spot checked or audited. So, I mean, and so that's the initial one right on January 11th where they're going to segregate between who's vaccinated and who isn't. And then every two weeks they're going to go to the unvaccinated kids or the ones that maybe don't want to tell you what your status is and that are going to be turning in results from, you know, antigen tests or PCR tests. So again, they're going to be creating records of just the kids that are submitting tests, not all the kids, but just the kids that are submitting tests, a, a paper record of who's been submitting tests that, that, that are negative, right? And then sending that in to SHA. So again, clearly identifying, you know, the kids that aren't on that sheet, but are on your team roster. If somebody was to get a hold of that, you know, now I know if you're vaccinated or not. And it might seem like a, you know, a little thing or, you know, just a little thing that you need to do to keep everybody safe. But I mean, we're living in small communities where, you know, like I know lots of people that, you know, they don't want to play this game. They don't want to show their ID to go into the restaurant. Well, just you know, go they, back to what James, when you said it right at the start, uh, when James was talking about being in different countries and it starts with a little divide. This seems like a pretty little divide that keeps growing. And, well, we, ha- and we have a choice, you know, to keep yeah. growing the divide or to just say no more. And let's just let's just cut this off. It, it may seem inconsequential right now. But I think when you when you listen to you talk, Henry, you can go, yeah, there's enough there that just it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. We want to stop COVID. By this time, I mean, we're seeing it play out firsthand in the sport, our number one sport. It's happening to all the major professional athletes. And if it's happening to professional athletes, it's going to happen to our kids, which means if you're vaccinated, doesn't mean you can't spread it, doesn't mean you can't get it. So if you want to treat COVID as the plague, start testing everybody. Yep. If you don't want to do that, then you just got to pull it because at the end of the day, we got to treat everybody the same. Because I go back to what you were saying, James. Like, to me, like, when you said it, I didn't want to hop in. I wanted to let you keep going. And that was a while back now. When you said it starts with a little division, we're in a little division right now and it's yeah. growing every single day, right? We've all felt it in communities, families, all the building blocks of society. It's infected. And we got to find a way. To start to, you know, focus on the solutions, on the yep. ways we come back together, not the ways we fall further and further apart. Yeah, we got to pull together. So, I mean, if, if they go ahead with this, it, it it's going to work. They're going to collect a bunch of information. But these these reps are, are being tasked with a, a huge amount of administration. They're handling sensitive information. If you look at the act that is in place that governs this stuff, like your COVID rep is not a trustee. Like a trustee is somebody that is you know, trusted with or is legislated to be, you know, able to collect your information. Yeah. And when you look at the legislation, that that's not what these guys are. And so th- there is a way to do it. I mean, if they had a list of every player and just a single checkbox beside that player's name, and if they made a list of the entire team and, and the COVID rep, whether they're looking at a QR code on somebody's cell phone, somebody's vaccination card, um, paper copy, or they're looking at a, you know, a, a rapid antigen test from a third party that's negative, they can put a check mark beside that kid's name that doesn't identify their status and just says, you are meeting the requirements of the SAS hockey um, uh, policy, check, and everybody gets a check in terms of that document that they're asked to retain and make a copy of and send in. It doesn't identify anybody's status. If you could lose that, 
you could it means be, nothing it, and means, it means nothing, nothing. everybody everybody well, team everybody can see it they show up to watch the game the guys that are on the ice obviously you're following the policy you're assuming the covert rep's doing his job sas cocky can spot check it shit they can even send it in this sheet twice a week and it doesn't out anybody and it's not a sensitive document anymore and if they want to spot check it beyond that if they want to get into everybody's business and somebody from the board or from whoever in SAS cocky needs to check this, they can go beyond that. But I don't know. I, I see it as a way to, again, if, if they're going to segregate people in terms of, you know, testing some and not others, at least this is a way to create a record that's not sensitive. It's not going to give the COVID rep. Like these guys didn't sign up for this at the start of the year. Uh, if I was a COVID rep, and I see a form that has me putting a check mark beside whether you're vaccinated or submitting a negative test. In my mind, that day that I'm filling out that form, everybody submitted a negative test or everybody's vaccinated. I would just put a check mark beside everyone and send it in. And if they want to come audit it, they can get, you know, into people's business and and call me out for. But I, I wouldn't take on that liability if I was a COVID rep. Yeah, li- I don't think people understand what they're taking on. No, I I really don't under no. I don't think they understand the potential no. like harm they could do to their own family by doing something they think is right. Yeah, like I don't think it's been explained to them the liability part of things. I I didn't mean to cut you off, Hank. Uh, no, I do, I, do you, I, I totally agree with you. I I don't think people signed up for this. Okay, I I just got to back up here. Like, <laughs> sorry, but you brought up a great point and. And uh, this this is an old cliche, or maybe people have heard it a million times, but like freedom, it's not free, right? And since uh, since like the Boer War, World War One, World War Two, Korea, uh, the African campaigns the Canadians have been on to Croatia, Bosnia, Afghanistan, Rwanda, like the list is like endless. Yep. There, there's blood that's been spilt and and many people killed nations destroyed you know so like what we're doing now is we're giving up easily without a fight we're giving up like freedom within days of being asked we're, we're giving up freedoms that our forefathers fought to have and for us to get those back, again, there's a cost to that freedom. And what people don't understand, because there hasn't been a civil war in Canada since, you know, 1800s when we were fighting the rebellions and fighting the French. And, like, really, it's been a long time since there's been blood spilt on our on our land. They People don't understand what it's going to take to get that back. Well, some Sometimes. people would tell you, some people would argue with the point that you just made and say, well, what you need to get it back is to get vaccinated. No, do but your part. yeah, but that, that's, that's the problem. That's the, that's the, price what they don't pay. understand is what happens the next time they want more information from you or more freedoms. That's why. And then you're yeah, now yeah, like absolutely. when right now, the way our forefathers have had it set up, we're on top of the mountain We're we won King of the mountain. We're standing on top of the mountain are people trying to take our freedoms away from us in the past we're standing on the slippery slope that rule is now reversed the people that want to take our freedoms from us are on top of the mountain we are now positioned ourselves on that slippery slope 
and any kid that is from our generation that was allowed to play king of the king of the mountain that's a bad spot you know you can't do that anymore unfortunately but my kids do but yeah um (laughs) you know like that's that's where you learn those those like that's how life is you want to be on the stable high ground you don't want to be fighting from the slippy slide slope yeah because that's where we are now and that was because of my complacency I'll take 100% responsibility for that. I'm trying to correct it, but boy, it's hard to correct it now. Well, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you. Listen, you know? I, I, I beat up on myself for a long time because I dragged my feet on this for a long time. I got a show. You know, I had the Don Cherries, the Ron McLeans. I mean, everybody's got their thoughts on Ron these days. Well, I got a story you, you about have Ron. an impressive actually, list of guests. But 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 that's what I was trying to do, right? Like yeah. I just wanted to I wanted to have this nice little fun show that, you know, just brought on some cool people and it was fun and it kept everybody not thinking about the day to day. And what you don't realize or what I didn't realize at the time is by not talking about the shit going on, you allow the shit to continue. Actually I learned that from Theo Fleury. Of all the things Theo Fleury's taught me. He uh, led me to a, a conversation with him and Paul Brandt <clears throat> talking about child trafficking, which I didn't believe was going on in Alberta. I just I had a hard time. And if there's anyone listening, go look up Theo Fleury's podcast with Paul Brandt. And Paul Brandt's a soft-spoken. You got Theo, you know, and Theo's just, Theo's Theo. And Paul Brandt brings up a point <clears throat> that has resonated with me in that the reason it's allowed to persist is because nobody's willing to talk about it. And if you're not willing to talk about something, then it gets to hide in the shadows. And I didn't fully understand what that meant. And tell you, look at where we are. And like what we're doing right now is seen as like a little bit out there, controversial. And it's like, all it is is three grown men talking about, you know, what they want for their kids and that a couple of the policies just don't make sense and we just need to change them. But we haven't been, you know, you look at media for the last 20 years. I mean, honestly, how much of this has been really going on where people actually, you know, like politics has been kind of like, ugh, that's a, let's talk about hockey. Right? Let's talk about things yeah. that actually matter. That's what our life has been. Yep. And now it's like the roles reversed now. And now we're on the slippery slope well, of thanks. like Thanks we, for doing this. We need well, we need to talk about it because if we don't talk about it, pretty soon the day slides by, nobody realizes, and once it's gone, we already know this, then you really are fighting up a b- uphill battle. Hopefully we've done it soon enough where hopefully, you know, a couple of years at Sask Hockey hear this and then go, oh, gee, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we should just have it where are they abiding by the protocol, right? That puts it back in the COVID rep's hands. Takes the sensitivity out of the document. Now, is it for the people on the one side who want it all done away with? Is it a win? Well, no, but it's a better, it's a compromise compared to where we're heading. Yep. And I just think, you know, we got to start talking about the serious stuff going on or pretty soon them freedoms you're talking about, uh, James, are going to be gone and we're going to be looking up at the hill going how do we get back up there well our kids have to spill that blood right like um i'm still part of the military and i'm not engaged like i should be and i i know that and that's for different reasons on a different day but um there's uh there's a reason why i stay fit like i'm my gunner in afghanistan was 55 years old and uh he joined the army because his two kids were in the military in 2001 and he quit his job as a millwright, went through basic training. What? And yep. And he wanted to fight with his kids against people that were trying to destroy our way of life. So right now, we have people within our country thinking they're doing the right thing and inadvertently not knowing they're really destroying our way of life. Like they really do believe in... And, and I feel sorry for them because they really do believe they're doing the right thing. And and I've seen it. I've, I've been in 
you know, orders groups um, in the military. I was part of a, a group of guys where um, I was, uh, I would be in like the main, main uh, area giving advice to our commander to how best to deploy us. So you see, you see how like majors and, and colonels, they, they spin, like they figure out the best way of, of taking on a battle, right? So it's all about jockeying. Like they, all these guys want to outdo each other and come up with the best plan to advance their career or what have you, right? So that's happening in civilian life. You know, everybody wants to do the right thing and be smarter and so and so and and be applauded and be applauded pats on the back and, and, and that's and at the end of the day, um, what a military wants to do is has a simple, effective plan that's easy to understand and 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 execute it without flaw. So as you make a plan so complicated, you can see that they made our plan so complicated by the confusion that's like every day something's changing or, or something's misread and everybody thinks this or that you have no idea what's going on. So that's a plan for failure. Right? So going back to general Curry and Vimy Ridge, nobody could take Vimy Ridge. The British tried it. The French tried it. Everybody failed miserably. Uh, the creation of our nation was at Vimy Ridge. Well, general Curry went to the English and said, you let me do this with the Canadians with my plan and we'll take the ridge. General Curry invented modern day warfare with fire movement and rolling barrage by listening to his commanders, his men underneath him and said, we can do this. So this is how we think it should work. And he, he uh, followed them and he believed in what they were doing. The plan was so simple. They would start artillery instead of, hitting the enemy with artillery, having a break, and then doing the rush. He'd have the artillery constantly firing, rolling the artillery at a certain so many feet per minute up the hillside. The men would follow in behind the artillery, and they took the ridge. It was the simplest plan, but the reason why it worked is because they didn't overcomplicate it. The Germans and the British were famous for overcomplicating plans that always failed. Like the 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 uh, Newfoundland Regiment, they were part of the English Commonwealth in World War One. They fought at Bull Mount Hamel on July first, and the English generals wanted to see the advance of the of the uh, Newfoundland Regiment moving towards the Germans. So they put uh, shiny triangle pieces of steel on the back of their backpacks. So as they walked advance ahead, the British. Officers could watch them with their binoculars. Well, when the men went to ground to fire at the enemy, that was a shiny triangle for the enemy to shoot. So they actually were putting targets on their soldiers, and they got slaughtered. They got decimated that day. And for whatever reason, a political party in our country has decided to make July 1st our our national day, when it should be um, after we won the battle in Vimy Ridge on April 8th or April 10th or whatever the day is, excuse me for not knowing that should be our nation's day, not the day we were slaughtered or, or a province of ours was slaughtered. They, they came into confederation. April, April 9th to April 12th. Yeah. So that should be the day, right? So it's stupidity that's been. La- I've never, uh, you know, that's that, you know, boys, I gotta be honest that, that right there, 
I love learning new things. I didn't, uh, when you put it like that, I never really put much thought into why July 1st is the day we have. And that right there it solidifies. April would be, makes a lot of sense. Well, if we ever do get a new nation on this side of the world, it should be, it should be <laughs> April April 9th or 10th. Maybe we should just get together and celebrate that day anyways. Yeah. Well, I do. I do every day. Yeah. But but getting back to it, like if you if you talk to a Newfoundlander that his grandfather or his father passed away or was killed in that battle, they're they're first of all just irate with the whole ignorance of the of the English military at the time. Like just you know, it was it was just run by people without proper military battle experience. They were they were put into power by their family position. And should never have been on the battlefield. And um, the second thing that they're very upset about is July first being our nation's like day, yeah. like without regard to what they sacrificed on that day. So yeah, it's it's there's lots of things that we could go down that road, but at the end of the day, like we we fought for these rights, and we're willingly like people that never. When you haven't, when you haven't personally fought for him, you have a little different story. You know, when I sit here across from you, James, you have a little different view. And I, I, I got to be careful here because I say things and I go, and I got a military guy sitting there looking at me, and I go, he probably thinks I'm a dummy. But no, I, th- I think about, I think about it, and I go, um, you know, you're one of few who who understand that. I would say a lot of us have no clue. Tell like honestly, what- no clue. Tell them about I, uh, tell them about your visit from the uh, the army psychiatrist. Oh, that was fucking hilarious. Excuse my language. No, but I mean it puts yeah. into perspective the things that yeah. like so, where you're coming from. So uh, after Afghanistan '06, um, you have to fill out a, you know you had to fill out an information sheet and let them know like your experiences, right? So um, I was I was part of a reserve unit fighting with the Patricias in Afghanistan. I'm, I'm actually part of the Regina Rifles, one of the best regiments that, like, just, I'd love to come here and just, and bring a couple of Regina Rifle guys. And we might just history. have to like, do that. It, it's such a cool history. Like, the rifles, uh, just the backdated, the last guy killed in World War One was part of the, South, like, the Saskatchewan Regiment that turned into Regina Rifles. World War Two were supposed to disband. All the men, the 900 men, were sent to different regiments. We ended up going to England, being the best regiment in England, first on the beach, fought off a German panzer division, basically saved D-Day. And it was a bunch of, like, aboriginals or uh, First Nations and and farmers that were recruited after everybody left. And it's it's just such a cool history, and I'm so proud of it. I've, I've you know, also just, part you, of the Patricians. And you just made it official. Uh Sometime in 2022, maybe close to Remembrance Day, I'm making a road trip. How's that? Yeah. Well, do it before uh, June 6th because that's regimental birthday. And you can come down to Done. that. I tell you what. Let's 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 plan yeah. for that. I I think that's something to look forward to. Yeah. A little road trip for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to experience it. It's crazy. Um, but but getting back to, to the whole thing, like I've, you know, for 30-some years have been on Remembrance Days and parades and you're in uniform and people are ignorant to, you know, to the military. And you know what? I'm glad. I'm honestly glad that people, they don't understand, you know, the dangers and the, and, uh, and the troubles around the world, because at the end of the day, I want my kids to grow up, you know, happy and, and healthy. Right. 
So I don't want them knowing all the ugliness in the world. I volunteer for that. I go deal with that. That's my job. And I'm glad that our people are ignorant and they don't realize like how good they got it, really, at the end of the day. Because they never had to experience strife and war and they don't understand the angry end of a gun, right? So, like, I'm, I, if you're, if you come up to me and you're upset about me being in the military, hey, as long as you don't hit me or hit any of my <laughs> friends, I'm okay with it, right? You can say whatever you want. I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all to the very, like, you're not insulting me. And, and I'm, I'm really okay with people not knowing what we're for because they shouldn't know. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I disagree. Well, no, like they shouldn't understand the ugliness of war. They should understand the right, like the the value of of a you know of a secure nation and what yep. it takes being policeman or a firefighter or, or people of service, right? A nurse, a doctor, whoever. Yeah, like teachers, like like I said, education is the key to world peace, and I really believe in that. Um, but. Yeah, I, I'm okay with people that don't understand why I fight. I'm okay with that. But when I go to fight, don't tie a hand behind my back because I swing with both fists, right? <laughs> yeah. well, wait, I, I, Henry brought up a psychiatrist. Did I miss the oh, story? Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. I, he maybe been, skipped over it I've on been, purpose, but he, he need up, to hear No, no, I've been blown up twice and beat up several times, so I forget. <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, so as I'm leaving... I had to fill out this sheet, right? So it says, have you ever been detained by a foreign army? Check. Have you ever been in a gunfight? Check. Have you ever, like, had to kill somebody? Check. You know, so on and so forth. People, you know, our own guys being killed. So I had to check, like, I checked all these things. And I'm like, holy Christ, I hope somebody else checked all these. It's like being in school, checking at your buddies. Like, <laughs> There's no you wrong check, answers. What you check off? Like, am I doing this right? Can I put your name on this? And... Anyways, so uh, fast forward to being like it's like October or whatever, and I'm I'm actually going back overseas to do private security stuff for the American Army, and so I'm I'm leaving right away. But um, oh, sorry, no, this was like a year later. This was a year later. Like the psychologists finally made it made their way across the country, and. I don't know if they hire a local psychologist in the city or whatever, and they, they, they mail out a package to the psychologist, and they phone me, and they want to have an interview. So I'm like, okay, uh, I'll, like I'm working at the campground. I'll meet you at the Quonset. Um, it's lunchtime. I'll see you there, right? So my wife at the time, it's lunchtime. I usually have a beer and you know some need and there's usually people there like the, the the people i work with come down we have a beer and eat a burger or whatever it is but now it's just me and my my ex comes in she she's gonna sit with us and like we're gonna have a beer she brings a beer for the guest which is a psychologist and i'm like no, no <laughs> not for the psychologist right like so <laughs> Like, she didn't understand it was a psychologist coming to interview me from this thing I filled out a year prior or two years prior. So now I'm sitting there, and the psychologist opens up this package, right? And she's looking at it, and she's looking at me, and she's looking at it. She's like, um, you know, we'll go through a bit of this, but I, I really feel that I'm the wrong person to be talking to you about this because I've never, 
out of all the packages I've opened up and talked to, I've never seen all the check marks checked off. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, okay, is this like a Homer Simpson episode where I get the insane stamp and I don't get out till it wears off? Like, what's going on here? Like, like, do I get a Michael Jackson jacket? Like, what's happening next, right? So, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of funny and, and uh, comical in a way because there's obviously questions about you know, this and that. And I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to answer them truthfully because then you're in trouble, right? So I feel yeah. like, uh, and, and I'm sure Henry can agree here, I feel like there's probably a six hour podcast waiting someday where we dig into some of that because right there, you just rattled off a bunch of things where I'm like, probably not allowed to ask about half of them, but I really want to because well, like, your brain I'd goes love, to. I'd love to talk to them, but, but this isn't this, like what we're here to do is something totally different. hundred percent. Well, yeah. I think the reason, well, the reason I, I, uh, I didn't want to do this without you. And the reason that I, you know, kind of brought that up is. You bring a perspective to the conversation that nobody else can. Like, very, very few people can. Like, the people that are sitting on the SAS hockey board, the people that are making the decisions that are impacting your kids, they've never seen what, uh, what a war-torn country does to kids, um, what not having options to or access to education and access to sport and just being nervous every day does to kids and and you have and you know it, like people listening to this will say you know those are two completely different things but I, I don't think they are we're not that far off like i see what is happening to kids um i see the stress that my kids are going under they, they just want to fit in i mean they they just want to be normal they want to play they want to go out there and um you know before you know, 2021 kind of came along and, you know, the segregation that, you know, came with it, everybody was missing out on it and they were all in the same boat in it. It was terrible. But now, you know, there's, there's a split and, and, um, but I, I, I don't know the reason I bring it up. And like you said, you could, you could, you should do another one. And, and I, 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 the experiences that you've gone through, Jamie, bring a perspective that, uh, you know, people need to hear it. And people need to realize that uh, we're going down a, a, you know, taking our kids to a place where, you know, when they have to make decisions and parents have to make decisions for five-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 17-year-olds, they're, they're all kids. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's troubling. And, and I, I, I see a lot of parallels in, in the fact that, you know, when you're under stress and, and you're living a life where, you know, you, you're not thinking about having fun and, and the sacrifices that you've made so that the kids can have those kinds of things. And, and you see it, you know, they're bringing it home, you know, your, your own six-year-old. And, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's frustrating. And uh, uh, I don't know, I, I keep thinking back to the, to the parent that's, that's sitting back and, and saying, well, this isn't impacting me yet. And I don't like what I'm hearing, but uh, I'm not going to say anything. I, you know, I, I implore you guys to, to pick up the phone, to, to get engaged, you know, get, talk to the people that, that are making the decisions, become one of the people that are making the decisions. Don't let them mess with your kids. And, uh, you know, if, if you think you're not impacted, don't wait, like just don't wait. Cause, uh, it'll, it, it could be too late. 
and and then you know you're sitting like I did on Remembrance Day, thinking, "How the hell did I get here?" And you're angry, and you're you're digging yourself out of a hole that you got yourself into just because you you know bad things happen when good people don't say anything. And uh, well, yeah. Henry, you nailed it. Like um, I remember you know talking with you about a certain thing, and I I decided I I felt ah he's got this like I don't I don't need to be part of it. I realized that today on the way up here, I'm like, what a fool. Like, that was the worst decision. And, you know, as parents, like, that's on our heart, right? Like, it's it's not on our mind, but it's on our heart because it's our kids that are affected. Yeah. And then we had a conversation with another parent in a totally different sport. And and here's the thing, like, like this is a big can of worms. Like, this is Pandora's box, like... Uh, SAS hockey is now doing something that nobody else is doing, right? So SAS hockey implements this January 10th. Let's say there is no changes in their in their in their policy. So now it's like a once again layers of onion being put on by basketball, by volleyball, by curling. Oh, I've by seen it happen. Lawn bowling. Yeah. Right? So now SAS hockey has come up with a, a system that because it's a political, like this is being done over here, all these other organizations are trying to play catch Why aren't up. we doing it too? But but again, yeah. they try and outdo, like people try to outdo each other and think they're doing the best for our kids. Add another layer of onion to that and make it worse for like the hockey or the basketball players or the volleyball players or, or whatever sport it is. And... So it's it's a it's a like they've thrown the the they've thrown the rock. Let's hope it hits the shore, not the water, because those ripples they they'll go to the far side of the lake, right? Like it's long reaching, and I just really uh, hope and pray that they the long term effects they haven't thought about the the little things that that's going to come from this policy. I don't really think they thought through the whole. I think that in their hearts they were doing the right thing. Yeah. But it's going to end up harming more than it's going to do good, unfortunately. And like I said, cup half full, I, I in my heart, believe that they're, they got a pulse and they're looking at what's going on. And and going back to it, like Henry, like um, we've, if there's only one thing we can do in our, in our lives, because our kids are our future, is to protect our kids. And I thank you for like making me realize my shortfalls. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that there's parents out there that are going to listen to this or policymakers that are going to listen to this and think everything through, not just their bubble, but like that bubble that connects to another bubble and what it really affects in the, in the long term. And what, what are the, pros and cons like what are they really achieving here's, out of it and here's the cool thing it works both ways so they can be the ripple that ripples out the end of this too right oh, they totally. change they change the they change what you guys have started could be the little nudge to push it the opposite way and it can it can ripple the same way right sask hockey decides no nah, we're not going to do that and then somebody sees them do it and go well how come they don't get to do it and then they do it, and then they do it, and all of a sudden it becomes a, a positive motion of change the opposite way. Well, and we had that leadership from from Mo, right? 
like he was at one side of the fence and one day somebody contacted him, he thought about it, and he stuck his neck out and said, hey, you know what? Let's stop the divide. Let's stop calling out the non-vaxxed. And let's, and you know, that's that's leadership. And I'm just hoping that this stuff, you know, it starts like a little snowball on the top of the hill. And once it's rolling downhill, it's like, well, we'd like to stop it, but it's a mile away from us going 100 miles an hour. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. There's no, there's no stopping it once it's going down. Well, in our situation... It wasn't away from us. It ran us right over. Yeah. You know, like Hank said, like of all days, they they laid it out on, on Remembrance Day. But, um, you know, like that, you know, it ran us right over. And and I any parent that's out there that's sitting on the side of the well, fence on any sport that's not yeah. affected yet, my advice is get prepared and be ready for well, what's coming down the chain. I, I looked it up because I, I wanted to make sure I got, I got it right. I I always am cautious of tying this to some of the worst times in the last 100 years because I understand the parallel it draws. But, I mean, this poem, and this is only part of it, by, uh, by uh, uh, a Lutheran pastor from Germany uh, back in World War II, I think just nails it on the head, right? Because you're, you're sitting there going, yeah, well, I, and I'm, I'm going to use myself to blame, right? I got young kids. Ah, this ain't going to affect them, right? They won't ever. And it, it's, first they came for the socialists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade union. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out. And you go, it, you know, I get it. It isn't, it isn't identical but geez that's what we're just talking about yeah. it's like i i want to sit back it's not really affecting me whatever but honestly enough you know all of us we work in the oil field what are we taught we're taught to look for red flags because you know identify the hazards oh there's a hazard we should address that and i feel like there's enough hazards starting to come up from really really respectable people you know if you both walked in and uh, we're high on something and, you know, had smashed into my truck outside and come in here and started talking about whatever. It'd be a little different, but, like, I'm having really, really, in my opinion, respectable people coming in and saying, like, we got, we better be cautious here. Like, these are some serious things. And uh, to me, that's a red flag. And it, it's been going on now for, like, you know, some would argue a year and a half. I'm going to argue for three months now, like, Going back to Dr. Andrew Liebenberg, who's now not in the country anymore. He was a guy who was about our age, came in, young kids, and just said, I'm a doctor, and things are not right. And he was, like, shaking in that seat you're sitting in because he's like, what I'm saying could get me deported from the country, right? These guys are sticking their necks out in a big way. South Africa. Yeah. I work there. I have a lot of respect for their. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, making the tour uh, all this way. Is there anything that we've left off the plate that you want to make sure it gets out there? Um, yeah, well, like the reason we're here um, and one of the things I want to share with people, like if you are, you know, one of those parents, volunteers, people that are sitting back thinking that this isn't going to affect me and maybe the light bulbs are starting to come on. Um, I think being positive and taking your message forward and trying to speak to people in a, in a positive way, um, 
is way more effective than being angry, lashing out. And, and I know I've gotten a lot of help from a lot of people. Um, my wife, for sure, is one of those people that believe you, you know, you, you're going to catch more flies with honey than you are with vinegar. She's proofread a lot of my emails and I'm, I'm here to tell you like the Saskocky guys have gotten a lot of emails from me as they have from other people and, and uh, she's done a good job of, of softening the message and, and it's still, I mean, I could do better, but um, being positive opens doors and um, one of the reasons that I, th well, I, I know the reason you reached out to me and, and Jamie is because of, you know, somebody that, that did that and uh, I'm going to name drop her here, Latasha McMullen, like, um, you know, she's a big fan of yours. She's listened to your, uh, your podcast. Uh, I think the one that she initially kind of sent to me was, uh, the, the one that you did with, uh, Peter McCullough here recently. Um, and, uh, you know, she had the, you know, the courage and the heart to reach out to you and compliment you and thank you for the work that you were doing. And, uh, you know, through those, um, kind of text messages and conversations, you know, asked her, you know, who, who would you like to see? And, and she texted me right away. Cause we've been sharing a lot of information. She's like, I don't want to waste this. Like who, who should I, who should I tell him? And I'm like, you know what? I'd really like him to get, you know, Kelly McClintock on there and to talk about the Sask hockey thing. And, and then I got to thinking more and I'm like, you know what? He needs to hear from Jamie. He needs to hear from, you know, guys like him who have, have seen, the bad things that happen when we go down the road that we're going down and where people are segregated and people are, are, uh, you know, left with no options. And, uh, and it just kind of turned into, you know, you reaching out to me and, and, you know, it, the, the more positive that you can be. Um, and, and it, it's happened for me too. Like, uh, I saw our rink board stand up to the town. Um, you know, the town was trying to influence our rink board and trying to segregate people and the rink board stood up and I reached out to them and said, you know what, thanks for doing that. You guys did a great job of keeping our rink open. And I learned some things that I wouldn't have otherwise. And, uh, it, you know, it, it empowered me to get back on the rink board and to re-engage with those guys. And, and it's just careful when you do reach out. Like I, I'm wanting a lot of people to get off their, their hands and, and don't be like me and don't make the mistake I did do it before you get kind of steamrolled but when you do it try and do it in a way that you're you're being positive and, and reinforce positive behaviors and identify the things that you need changed and I think it's huge and I thank Latasha for doing what she did and and for you for doing the work that you do like I can't believe that Jamie and I are sitting here talking to you know a guy that's like I'm looking at the list of people that that you've interviewed both from you know a hockey perspective and and you know a professional perspective you know people like nadine ness and julia panessi and roger hodkins and peter mccullough and you know like i could keep going like i you know it, i'm still just a country bumpkin no worries oh, man it i really appreciate it i want to say well I, I gotta give uh you know we'll we'll blow latasha's tires up for a few minutes because she sent me like a beautiful text that was like you should read it man it, yeah it was it was really well written and my my normally I don't respond with this. I, I'm sure a lot of listeners you got it know. There? Uh, I probably have it hiding somewhere. <laughs> and I uh It's good. I, I, I just responded back, geez, when somebody puts that much thought into a text, I wonder if she's got some ideas for who she'd like to see. You know? And then what even impressed me more is she said, Let me think on it. 
And most people don't do that. So uh, my hat's That's off to her. That's leadership right there. Because That's I'm surprised. leadership right there. I'm surprised she didn't, you know, lots of people would say Scott Mom or I don't know. Who who do you want to, you know, just give me a big name and they throw it out. And she came up with you two yahoos. And I'm like. <laughs> she obviously doesn't know well, me. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to this. How about you, James, before we. Well, we, you know what? It, from what Hank just said, they're like, honestly, I, I don't want to say another word. Because, like, you nailed it. Like, uh, that was a great, like, that basically summarizes everything I feel. If I can, though, because I won't shut up. And you will, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I will talk. But I'm not, what I want to do is I want to emphasize, like, at... If if you're there, there's so many people out there like us. Like we're we're not the guys, you know. And, and unfortunately, you know, I'm like, certainly I'm, not the guy. You're not the guy either. <laughs> there's like gas station attendants. There's business owners. There's people that are doctors and nurses. Like they're out there, and they're doing the same thing we're doing, except we're not doing it collectively. Like we're not organized we're getting better yeah well and we're not trying to like have a revolution here and like to do this peacefully and respectfully like canadians should is what hank's saying yeah like but don't get hit by that snowball or don't get steamrolled i feel terrible like it, it like it hit me in the head today you know, listen to this other father and his problems with, you know, their sport. It's like, we're, we're smarter than this. Like we've got the leadership and the, and the people out there that can, that can help navigate through this fog. Yeah. Like we're, we're in a, we're in a unknown, uncharted area. We're smart, innovative people. We can do this. We, we just got to be respectful and we just got to work together and push through it. On our way up here, I got a call from a buddy who he had to pull his daughters from Notre Dame College because he wasn't cool with the mandate that they had, and it was black and white: either you're you're vaxxed or you're not going to be here. And uh, and uh, yeah, so I mean, he's navigating the same thing, and uh, you know, these are good people that um, leaving our country, yeah, potentially, potentially. Ba- our ba- second generation of people leaving this province. Well, what did I say before you guys come on? I know of people that are already gone, already gone. Yeah, yep. right? and that's our biggest. That's our biggest resource. I don't care how much oil or gold or diamonds. Yeah, Saskatchewan's biggest resource is our people. Yeah, because we're pioneering people. We're innovative, and we're we have the best work ethic probably in the country. And that's why we're so valued wherever we go. Yeah. And uh, thank God Hank came back and, you know, other people like him. Yeah, maybe but he came back pushing, for a reason. But now we're pushing him out again. You know, like it's taken from 60 till now to get people to come back. How long is it going to be? Well, we just got to push. You know, that that's why you're here. Yeah. I, I just... I, you know, cup half full. We just yep, we got full. we got we got pushed, and we just seen how now. Well, we got to push back, all right? But we got to be smart and respectful, like yeah. Hank is saying. That's nailed it. Yeah. Well, let's do the crude master final five. We'll leave it's final four because we brought up Latasha early. Um, but oh. uh, let, shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald. They've been uh, supporters of the podcast since the very beginning, 
And uh, we'll do four here. We'll try and keep them light for you. The first one's a little tough, though. I'm going to channel a little conversation with Natasha. Uh, I'd love to do this question. Is Who would you sit down with uh, if you could? Um, and I, I'm going to try and sp- keep it specific to Saskatchewan since we're all hailing originally from there. Is there anyone in Saskatchewan you'd want to sit with uh, to pick their brain? Uh, probably the health minister. I, I, because, um, our health minister, uh, I believe he's from, um, a region of the world that has gone through all kinds of horrific things. And I'm sure he's got family members still there. And he knows deep down in his heart, um, what I'm talking about. And are you but, talking Hashab? Uh, or are you talking um, S- I'm Sakib Shahab? Yep. Yeah, I, I'd love to sit down and talk with him. Yeah, I I've listened to a few of your podcasts. I kind of knew this question was coming up. Um, yeah, if if it's specific to somebody in Saskatchewan, um, this is non COVID related, non hockey related. Sure. sure. Um, you know, uh, we met with them, uh, before we came here, had lunch with them. Uh, he's a, he's an icon of the Lloydminster community and, and a lot of people will know the name, uh, uh, you know, Gary Erickson with the ministry of energy and resources. Uh, you should, uh, get him in here. He'd be, uh, he'd be a good interview. I don't know if he, have you ever met the guy? I have not. There's a, a name. I'll write it down. He's a hey? gem. He's a gem. He's a, he's longtime resident of Lloyd. He's been the, the director of the Saskatchewan uh, Ministry of Energy and Resources. Uh, he, he'd be a, he'd be a good, he, he's been there forever. You surprised me. Not many people surprised. That was surprising. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I, I'm just thinking of guys that, uh, you know, given, you know, where you're located, um, you know, who you're talking to. Yeah. Uh, he'd be a good no, one. No, that's cool. Another uh, Saskatchewan guy. And again, I, I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. I, I see the quote that you got on your wall here. Uh, he, he hasn't been able to get him on, and I think he would like to, but he, he, Coulter uh, Wall. he's been trying to get Coulter, Coulter Wall. Yeah. You know? Coulter Wall's badass level went up when he turned Joe Rogan down. Like, I mean, yeah, nobody in their right mind does that unless you're operating at a different level. It would be my... my... Well, one thing that, that Saskatchewan people have is, like, we got morals and ethics, right? And... And at the end of the day, because we're pioneers, when we make up our mind, we make up our mind. Right? <laughs> and I've got a few ex, exes that uh, when they make up their mind, it's made up, right? So, no, uh, no, I get it. It's and I appreciate that. Like that's a that's a great that's a great trait to have coming well, he's from got, this province. He's got a badass card, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's Definitely. one of like I don't know. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of rich and famous that haven't been on Joe Rogan, but. Coulter Wall. I mean, like, is he a big name? Sure, but not like he's not. You know, I I don't know. He's not. No, he's not an Elon Musk or. Thank you. Uh, you know, yeah, I like, know. He's not. He's not. He's not on that which level. Which has ties to Saskatchewan. Who, Elon does. Yeah. 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 Did you know here. he shoveled grain in Swift Current? No. Yeah, when he, uh, he he escaped the border wars in Africa and landed in Montreal, I believe took a train to. Uh, Estevan, because he had family we'll see if, there. Well, we'll there's see another Saskatchewan guy. We'll see if I can try and get yeah. Elon to talk then, about his old Saskatchewan ties. Then he ended, he ended, up, he ended up in Swift Current <laughs> shoveling green because he had relatives there too, him and his brother, and they were sealing internet. I get, a, I get Elon Musk, and then you can call me a big deal. Is that a oh, deal? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> 
with with the with us being what are we at? We're at the we're in the twenties now. We're closing in on Christmas. With us closing in on the new year, what's your predictions for 2022? Doesn't have to be anything too deep. Just what what do you think of 2022? Well, Regina Beach is going to have the best New Year's fire at midnight, like always. And uh, that's going to be a big blast. We have fireworks and uh, the whole town comes down. We burn Christmas trees and brush and everybody shakes hands and wishes each other the best for the new year. And uh, that's all I'm looking forward to right now. Like, I'll one. take it. I'll take it one day at a time. Like, I, like I celebrate my birthday one day at a time. And uh, yeah, just keep pushing forward. And and uh, the light will be at the end of the tunnel. I think we're gonna get through this. 2022. Hmm. I'm gonna plug the uh, local fire department here a little bit. Lumsden Volunteer Fire Department. Um, we've got some, uh, fundraising duties. We're uh, trying to raise money for a new rapid response unit. And, uh, we just met with our little group here, uh, last night at the fire hall. And, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, working towards, uh, a kickoff in January. We're going to be doing, a um, a St. Patrick's day cabaret in March. And, uh, we're going to do another annual Oktoberfest cabaret in October. Trying to raise money. Can I wear my leader hosen? You definitely can. Yeah. You That's can wear the I had the best stag ever. If my if my relationship was like my stag, it'd still be going on. It was awesome. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Scottish and I ended up in leader hosen. Long story. <laughs> um, so my prediction for twenty twenty two is uh Lumsden Fire Department raising a pile of money for their new rapid response. Um and I don't know, maybe a Ryder Grey Cup. Maybe oh, a... Oh, we're ooh. taking it. We're taking it this year, boys. i got to be honest. Think, i got to think about this for a second here. We're hosting I, this year, hey? I think that's the first time the CFL has been brought up on the podcast. No Think way. about that in 200 and some episodes. Like, I'm trying to remember... Look at the hats we're wearing. I know. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the riders is brought up a couple of times, and the listeners will let me know. I'm sure, but I I just don't think it's been brought up that often. So, all right, not only a rider Grey Cup, which I mean in Saskatchewan we'd all appreciate, um, but you're first maybe on the podcast for bringing up the Rough Riders because that doesn't get you're, you're in a select company. I'll leave it at that. What's What's the best senior hockey team you've seen assembled? The Fifty Fours. Give we me beat a... we beat the old dogs all the time. <laughs> he said senior hockey, not beer league hockey. Oh, come on! Is there a difference? Uh, yes, there is. Um, I uh, I was uh, I was in attendance in Lloyd when uh, Horse Lake Thunder uh, won the oh, Allen yeah. Cup here, and uh, and uh, yeah, saw Theo Fleury. Uh, playing it, it was that did was they, did they win that year i thought they did did they not oh no they lost they lost wasn't it thunder bay that year man it, it alan cups look I'm it up. looking them up looking it up I, I don't think they won that year oh, actually like i'm like can 90 I, can i tell you a cool story about being part of like like high-end level hockey um obviously i quit hockey at a younger age because i was way too small to play with the big boys like hank <laughs> but uh, um, 
I was actually asked to be the Pats guy to light the ice on fire during the... No way. Yeah. So I got to go in and, you know, it was a big, it was a big deal. I had to march out there with like in my uniform and have the torch and light the ice on fire. And um, it was a pretty proud moment, like being a, a former Patricia and, and asked to do that. And like everybody, like, like the new ownership of the Pats, you know, really bringing in the military uh, history, why the like the Pats are called the Pats. Like yep. that's the nickname for the Patricias after World War One. You know, the soldiers started playing hockey, so that's how they that name was brought about. Was their former Patricias fighting at you know Vimy Ridge and yeah, uh, you know all the big battles at Vimy and you know uh, Passchendaele and you know just horrific uh, uh, situations. But these guys started the Pats. Yeah. So the the Pats are named after my old regiment, the Patricias. And so anyways, I got to march out there and light the fire and everybody's like going bananas. And it was, it was pretty, I was pretty honored to be asked to do that. I, I must say, and that was, that was a good part of my soldiering experience with mixed in with hockey. I'm not liking the look on your face. Well, so I, I was trying to figure out what year uh, Theo played in Lloyd, which all of Lloyd's going to be like, come on, Sean. But I'm sorry, I don't have photographic memory when it comes to this. So in 2012, when Lloyd hosted, the Southeast Prairie Thunder uh, beat Rosetown. I, it was either that time, I think it was that time, or in 2005, the Thunder Bay Bombers, it might have been that time, beat uh, Mont, Mont Magmini Sentinels. And I can't say it. And now all of Lloyd for sure is laughing at me. So. <laughs> And then the only other time before that they hosted was back in 2000, and that's when Powell River beat uh, the Border Kings in the finals. And I think it was the year that, I want to say it was 2005 when the Thunder Bay Bombers uh, came rolling through. Yeah, I think it was in 05. So maybe they're the maybe they're the best team that never won. But, I mean, how many ex-NHLers were on that team? There was there was like, yeah, what, there was at least two or three. What, was, what, what team lane were they? I thought it was Horse Lake. Yeah, Horse Lake. That's right. Horse they would they would have lost in the in the semis then. Yeah, because they, they came in yeah. uh, way too cocky. Yeah. Oh, I remember the interview Theo gave to Horse. The... Theo played a season with the Horse Lake Thunder in two thousand four. Yeah. So that would have been the year that uh, uh, Thunder so Thunder lost? Bay. Yeah, yeah. They 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 were they were stacked. They were stacked. They were good. Yeah. Yeah. And Lloyd and Theo, like, yeah, Theo will t- kind of talk about it now, but, like, tons of people talk about Theo's antics while he was in Lloyd, and, yeah, it was pretty, you know, calling Lloyd a bunch of racists and stuff like that, and the tournament was rigged and whatever, right? It, yeah. So It was an interesting interview, but, I mean, people did show up to see that team. Like they, oh, 100%. They were, they were no doubt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was... What's, yeah. what's, uh, we, I can't remember if we started this on the podcast or if it was right before we started, but regardless, what's the best barn in Saskatchewan for hockey left standing? Best barn, best rink. I got a soft spot in my heart for the Neilberg rink. Like, I mean, oh. it, as much as I love playing in Bethune and as much sorry, as I love folks. playing in Lumsden, well, I mean, okay, as a monarch, like, tell me a better feeling when, and I mean, if you've you've played in a rink where you have your own dressing room feel, and you hang your stuff up in a locker, I feel like I to... just had a, a, a ref refing in his hometown and we got a homer. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, <laughs> that rink it, it it has the smell, it has the banners, it's uh, it's got character. 
you know what? Nothing. The kids nowadays they don't they don't get it. But I mean, you walk into and I mean nothing wrong with the Regina facilities. They're they're good. But you walk into the cooperator center, and I don't know if like you could be playing in in rink number five or rink number three. You don't know the difference between them. They're cookie cutter. There's no character. Yeah. It's like blah. Well, that well, is fair. Yeah, I don't know. I got a soft spot soft spot for Neilberg. Um, I had my own locker. You hung up your gear. You went home. You know, on a away game, somebody brought it for you. There, there was just guys looking after you there, and it, it's it was a fun town to play in for the few years that I did. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was. You're a great making old me bar. miss. You're making me. I, I've been retired from senior hockey for two years now, and I, I'm I miss playing. There's a, that is the funnest senior hockey in Saskatchewan, is the funnest hockey I ever played. And I, I played on, I've played a lot of spots. Why you look like you're ready for beer league? You can come down and be my winger. <laughs> That's right. Hey. Yeah, you can go play for the 54s. Okay, just so we're, you know, we're, um, we're wrestling like, after this. I'm probably going to lose. Bare-chested? Bare <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wrestling are we doing? Play I'm King not, of the Hill. King I'm of the not, Hill after yeah. this. Yeah. Hey, kids still play that, you know, like oh. grown men. Yeah, yeah. I we did it at the I fire hall a, just last weekend. That's I the guys. Got a, I we got a king, king of the, of the hill. hill in front of my house. <laughs> my kids play on there with their cousins all the time. Oh, deadly! They just can't do it at school. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, no, you're welcome. to Play at the fifty fours with fifty fours as long as I have no shirt on. That's what you're saying? No, no, keep your shirt on. Um, <laughs> also, also, uh, there's a. There's a new guy price. You got to bring beer for the first year. You got to be the beer guy. You know, you got to take care of the money and uh, make sure that. Of course, there's going to be some ritual. Yes. Yeah, I won't get into the chicken. You remember the chicken running around the rink that year? Yeah. Yeah. We won't get into that. Hey, if you play with the old dogs, if you come up for the old dogs, we have HFC night once a year. HFC in the rink. The local Arm River Colony comes out, the gals come out, and they fry oh, yeah. high fried yeah, chicken. we're part of that. We're part of that same Absolutely. Deal. It's, it's a good tradition. Oh, yeah. The Hutterate, local Hutterate Colony comes out. It's yeah. HFC night. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah, great times, actually. Yeah. yeah best hockey ever. Uh, I'm still laughing at, at James's dig at me. All right. Fair enough, hey? I think it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> Don't be scared. Just come play with us. <laughs> Well, boys, I've enjoyed this. I hope uh, I hope this was worth the uh, the drive you guys did today because you're oh. putting in a few hours today. But I appreciate you guys making the drive and, and uh, stopping up to do this. Thanks for having us. Lloyd feels like home to me. I, I love pulling in. I, you know, it's it's awesome. Hey, like I said, my kids are born here. I love it here. You talk last. Like I'm always. I no, you talk be, last. No, you should be the no, guy talking no, last. Not not today. Oh man. Anyways, um, I think. Uh, obviously you and Hank like you guys have no idea what you're doing and you're doing the great thing for like basically our future of our country and I I hate keep saying that like I don't want to be a broken record but our kids are our most valuable asset and our most valuable resource and thanks for like asking me to come Hank and thanks for doing this like you guys are sticking your neck out and um it's pretty easy to stick my neck out when i get people like yourself to come on the show to be completely honest right it's to me it's who's gonna tune tune this in and go those two guys are wackos right <laughs> nadine ness is a is a wacko youtuber right extremist she's an extremist yeah yeah and yeah. you and you go like 
Well, I mean, her views go against the current uh, narrative, sure. But at the end of the day, she just seems like a pretty lovely person from well, what I get. And, I, I got to summarize this in. Sure. Because Curry, the, the creator of Modern Battle, went against the narrative of the British Commonwealth and figured out a way to like end World War One by developing a new battle system that the British would not accept. And he took all liability upon himself and he did it only with Canadian forces. So there would be no British blood spilt if the battle went sideways. So I'm glad you brought that up because it goes right back into history. Sometimes you got to swim upstream, right? Yeah. And not go with the narrative. And thank God Curry did that. And... Uh, he saved countless lives from that day on yeah. because he used intelligence and he listened to people and he, he made a battle plan that was adaptive to this situation, which we hope some of our leaders are going to do for us yeah. in the future. Well, so that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, that's one hell of a way to end it. How's that? Thanks for coming, fellas. Thanks, Sean. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, folks. Make sure to like and subscribe. Believe me, it helps. I want you fine folks to check out my new website, seannewmanpodcast.com, and uh, let me know what you think. Because honestly, your guys' opinion matters. I know some of you don't believe that, but if you've listened this long, you know it truly does. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, check out my Patreon account in the show notes. Hey, you do you. All right? I appreciate you guys tuning in. Give me some of that hard-earned time of yours. Now, go kick some ass and be awesome. We're going to catch up to you Wednesday.